everybody, and welcome to episode 353 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Christopher Ottman Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. Who else is here with me? Exonerated Chris Antista. <laughs> today, today we stand for Ned Land, R.I.P. Kirk Douglas, Matthew Allen. Aww. God, that guy had a whale of a tail to tell us all. <laughs> oh, a whale of a tail. Also, Chris, uh, acquittal is not exoneration, but who's joining us as a special guest? Uh, hi, it's me. I'm T.L. Foster, and I didn't think of anything funny to say. I was trying to, like, what can I do? Yeah, uh, I'm T.L. Foster, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Hey, Nice. Yeah. Bitch, are you for real? <laughs> I got to watch the seven-minute Dolomite trailer this week. I was so happy in the theater. It was wonderful. That is an appropriate segue because this is our first show of Black History Month. A month which we've never really done anything special for. But that changes this year because we are going to take a look at some of the greatest black heroes in video game history. Yeah, we ne- we never really felt comfortable tackling the subject because, I mean, I don't know. I, I hate to shatter the illusion for you folks, but Chris, Michael, and I are not black. No, we are. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I I just watched uh, the movie True Romance, and uh, Dennis Hopper has brought some new things to light. And as, an, as a Sicilian, I think I have some credibility here. Oh. I, I, I tell you this every time I'm on a podcast with you, Chris. No. No, 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 we're extremely white. I just want to sing all my favorite songs with all the right words. No, you can't. It turns out, nope. Uh, I I can't believe this, but Dennis Hopper has misled me. (laughs) Would have totally expected him to to shepherd you down the correct path, but uh, indeed, indeed. And I'm just putting in a light plug here. I, I have very few complaints about the Oscars this year, other than Dolomite not being nominated. Yeah, what the the fuck. The biggest sacrificial lamb I could I could throw out was would be Joker because I think this the the movies are really 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 good mm-hmm. and that's and if you want to hear more of our thoughts on that uh, Oscar time baby it is like the eighth annual Oscar time it is also Laser Time's four hundredth episode we appreciate people like Chris and uh, all you patrons out there patreon.com slash Laser Time that like essentially have kept us alive for eight years yeah we're, run, we're coming up on a decade you said you didn't do anything special you did that episode i also because i'm not on that episode i would like to take um offense that uh lupita nyong'o did not get nominated for best actress like us a lot of people didn't like us a lot um mm-hmm. i i loved i loved us but her performance in that movie she deserved best leading and best supporting actress. I, I agree She's with so you. So fucking good. You didn't know this because this is another stipulation the Academy put in to fuck black people over. Uh, black people can be nominated, but not if they play more than two roles. And this has denied Eddie Murphy for years. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's weird because she was tremendous in that fucking movie. That uh, shit was that shit is insane and one and a wonderful performance. It makes no fucking sense, especially because she was a very wonderful uh, uh, she seemed like she was going to be a great star wars character and then wasn't <laughs> chris are you did you just say that basically eddie murphy was robbed from his performance in the clumps yeah <laughs> yeah dude you can't win for multiple performances he keeps he modern keeps classic clumps. I mean, honestly i think the academy is still angry at him for norbit because remember they were about to give him an oscar for for dream girls and they're like oh fuck norbit no yeah, yeah. Oh, no can't no, do no, that no. can't do that yeah 
Shame. But I, I am with you on that, TL, and uh, I cannot wait to talk about this topic. But again, Oscar time. We all worked really hard on it, and it's been a bitch to put together. Mm-hmm. And we've been working on it for weeks, mm-hmm. so I, I it's not even done as of this recording, and but it's coming out this week, baby. I watched all the movies. So did I everyone saw else. every movie, and I wrote several sketches. Uh, you can find out which ones they are because they're not good. <laughs> but, like, but I admire they're the SNL tenacity. It's, it's like it's it's. It doesn't matter if they're ready. It matters that it's airtime. Mm. But are, how much feet are in the sketches? That's my question. No, no. I already told you, TL. I took that out. There are no feet references in the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sketch I wrote. But I am very proud of that sketch, and I think it's funny as hell. Just like this Joker sketch, I think it's funny as hell. And Chris, had, well, save it for the show. You got to listen to the show to there, hear some. There of this are stuff. no feet in my Ford v Ferrari sketch, but there is a lot of. Uh, fucking cars hell yeah. yeah 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 and the biggest tease it'll surprise you who wrote little women or maybe it won't <laughs> it was actually a tall man mm-hmm. that wrote little women it, it oh. was in fact <laughs> little women little women little women yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> let's not spoil it but anyway yeah we've got a, a fun show ahead there's a dark crystal game out this week who saw that coming uh the Skeksis. Yeah, the Skeksis did see it coming. They're all knowing and all seeing. It. I understood that reference. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, we will launch into our top five right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the LazerTime network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Maybe Anton Yelchin, and I would guess Kobe. There's probably footage of this happening, but uh, Irwin and Left Eye, Lisa Left Eye Lopez definitely have videos like video footage of them their deaths a well, video well, the camera. one that the video footage caused the death we, we have to mention it is princess die oh i guess yeah jesus christ 97 36 years old mm-hmm. and that always blows my mind when i outlive people that seemed older to me i mean at this point chris we both outlived jesus who died at 33 Jeez. so you got that going for you died in a an auto accident, but it was caused by paparazzi chasing her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I only remember my personal connection was that is I remember I got back from the beach with this girl I had liked for like a year, but didn't seem to like me as much. Finally seemed like she was giving. And I was so elated. I remember I walked in and her mother's like, princess die is dead. I'm like, who? Oh, Oh, well, yeah, these things happen. And I'm like, la di da. I do a little Archie kick to my feet and whistle out the door. I'm so happy right now. I didn't. I, it didn't affect me at all. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash LaserTime. And we're back to talk about what the top five black people black leads in video yes. games. Which I will take a moment to to just say. Uh, hey, games industry, you need to step your game up because mm-hmm. this list was not very long to choose from. Yep. There needs to be way more black representation as leads in video games. Yeah, and you need to stop saving all the, the juiciest, uh, most fun roles for uh, criminal characters. Well, yeah. like, I, I figure if 
if one we find out that either Troy Breaker or Nolan North is black, we will get more black lead characters. <laughs> and when they give you voice by this, I mean I Troy Baker can play anything. Them. It's fine. He's amazing. Yeah, he can. It's true. It's true. He, do you know? I have a fact that maybe even Wiki Parez doesn't know. Oh. Do you know the first black character in a video game? First black character, not off the top of my head. I think Maybe. I know this answer. TL. Is it Magic Johnson in Magic versus Larry for the PC? I believe. Um, it would have been Doctor no, J. But it, it is a, it is an early PC basketball game. So oh, is is it one on one? So uh, it's Doctor J. It's not the black spy from Spy vs. I don't think it's licensed by anybody, but it is the first playable appearance of a black character. Even mm. that took like. Like as long as we've been complaining about the Oscars, it took longer than that for video games to put a black person as a playable character in a game. Um, I mean, most people don't know this. Cubert actually black. Actually Unless black. you were born in England and played a bunch of fucking weird Spectrum games, and everyone was a person of color. <laughs> Yellow. <laughs> oh yes, in Lolly Trolley, that's where you get to play as the as, oh, as, right. as, now, the, as the black persevener. I was waffling about playing a game of Hava Bava <laughs> <laughs> on the ZX Spectrum. <laughs> All right. Who was it? Wait, what did, did you say? <laughs> it was a basketball player it's in a, a PC uh, game. But yeah. it's, it's the first. It's the first. Oh, the first oh, appearance did, of a, have a, a name. playable I, black. I thought character. it was a famous. I assumed <laughs> that was the criteria of this episode. Oh. Yeah. I, sorry, I, I, I thought it, it had a, a, a name attached to it, like a Doctor J. So it was yeah. Just, so in the name of enforcing double standards, uh, we we have uh, exacted certain uh, stringent criteria on the characters that we're going to cover. They have to be leads you have to play as them for most of the game so and and we're excluding fighting game characters <gasps> which is i know probably I know. A, a very rich field you've got Zasalama yeah there's like six characters DJ. that are going to be real disappointed mm. both both jacks and jackie briggs are going to be mm-hmm. super pissed off and and they have to be originally from video games so like you know real people coming into games like 50 cent so uh, wesley's character mean, from demolition man is not going to make this list he's sadly uh, not going to no this shadow list. man denied yeah no shadow man michael Leroy. he, he had a great game in the n64 era but uh all the characters from Def Jam fight for New York. Gone. Yeah, yeah gone. <laughs> I, I think I played are, that game as Ali G anyway. Yeah, I only played as Fat Joe because I'm a racist. <laughs> I played as Crow, which is not Snoop Dogg. It is Crow. Yeah, but it's Snoop Dogg playing the character. I also was a big fan of Trejo in that game. But yes. uh, someday we'll have to do find an excuse to do a uh, Danny Trejo roles in video games. And I list. think you just explained why representation matters, Michael. Is that the man I shit next to in a public restroom? Yes, it Danny is. Trejo. Danny yeah, Trejo. Yeah. It is. It's like it's like Michael with more scars. <laughs> <laughs> He's nothing like me. He's way cooler. Um, anyway, let's jump in with number five. Mama, do you worry too? Did you forget me? Or are you gone? In any case, the night has better uses than sleep. Yeah, fuck sleep. She is so French. I love it. Yeah. This okay. has to be hyperdimension Neptunian. Uh, sure. Is this no. Aveline from yes. Assassin's Creed Liberation? Aveline de Grand Play from, uh, yes, Assassin's Creed Liberation, uh, set in New Orleans. Unless that's a very Creole name. Yes. <laughs> How do you define Creole exactly? Uh, Creole are people of like kind of West Indy uh, French origin that gets yeah. around like 
the Creole, like Creole itself, is like around like uh, people from like Haiti and that rest. That was in that yeah. like West Indies trade, yeah. that mm-hmm. French trade from like land. So like New Orleans, a lot of Haiti, a lot of a little bit of like Dominican. Uh, have yeah, that yeah any, anywhere black people were hassled by the French. Hmm. Exactly, that's not Africa. And they all got an idea, and they got a little flag idea because a little bit of Creole, and you get there. But that's Cajun. Right that's Cajun because yeah. the Creoles need someone to look down on as well. Basically, <laughs> right. <laughs> I know nothing I used, about these I, I used to live in I used to live in the Gulf Coast forever. I love Creole people. They're so mm. fun. But you cannot you can never understand them. It's weird it's weird. It's weird being black and there's a lot of different dialects where you're like, I don't understand you. Like South Carolina? Can't understand half of them. Man. Now I just <laughs> want I want Cajun man to have done this game. Assassin's Creed, Liberation. <laughs> Go get the old pinay right now. Whoa, 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 assassinate that boy now. Go get a little pole cake, a little keep cake, go get the old cat. Bibbity, bibbity, crawl dead. Bye, Boucher, you better not be playing that foosball. So, this is said when Louisiana was still French. It was a. (laughs) The French colony, and Aveline is the, the daughter of a. Fairly wealthy French merchant and one of his uh, freed slaves who disappeared, like, when she was still a child. And so, like, a a big part of the game is her kind of just, like, longing for her mother and and trying to search for her. And in the meantime, she's become one of the assassins, which means she's cool as hell. Gets to say things like this. My name is Aveline. I seek the leader of these men. He calls himself Francois Macandal. You seek him? To what end? A final one. <laughs> ah, then you are my kind of woman. Yeah, the the connection with Francois Macandal. Researching this just for this podcast made me realize something about Assassin's Creed that I kind of knew about, but only fully realized that it connects to several different games, is, is the Haitian Revolution. And you kind of see hints of it starting in Assassin's Creed 4, with uh, you, you meet like one of the assassins is affiliated with the Maroons, uh, who are like you know escaped or freed slaves who <laughs> are resistance maroon. fighters. Yeah, Bugs Bunny hated those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a maroon <laughs> fighting for freedom in Haiti. Uh-huh. And Francois Macandal was one of them. He was a resistance fighter against the French. Resistance. And one thing that I like that they they worked this detail into the game. He was behind a plot where he distributed poisons. To like herbal poisons to slaves, which they then put into the food of their French masters, ah. and and that gets name checked in here. Francois Macandal was an expert in poisons. This blowpipe was his. A fine weapon. The Macandal that you're hunting, meanwhile, is a is an imposter named ah. Baptiste, ah. who has like voodoo skull makeup and one arm. You brought up uh, AC4, and it made me think of another assassin who was technically a black lead, but it was more for the DLC, and that was Adewale. Oh, you mean this guy? I have nothing to offer but thanks. Nothing else is needed. As a boy, I fled the same fate. Why would you risk recapture? Men of principle know the bigger risk is to turn away. Uh, Adewale. So awesome. And and, yeah, but so... It begins with that that uh, narrative in Assassin's Creed 4, and Adewale is your uh, Edward Kenway's first mate. And then with Freedom Cry, he gets that 
uh, his, his own adventure where he travels to, to Haiti and assists in the resistance. And you get to go around freeing slaves from auctions and just like chopping the shit out of slave owners with a machete. And it Ugh. feels so awesome. Yeah, well, there's there's lots of plantation missions in Assassin's Creed 4 where you're basically just freeing slaves from, from the plantations as well, right? Or was that Freedom Cry? I think that was Freedom Cry. Yeah, and I, also, yeah that was Freedom Cry, yeah. yeah. And it was also Liberation. That, that was... A big theme. Uh, Aveline does not think very kindly of people who own slaves. I, I'm desperate. I can't keep my slaves from escaping. I lose money every day. And all my stock is in tea. If everyone starts drinking coffee, I'll be through. Anyone who keeps slaves deserves to lose them. Next time, remember, far worse things can haunt a man than lost business. All right, all right, all right, ma'am. Just like that. All right, Ben. <laughs> oh man, I thought we were gonna get some stabbing. Uh, she stabs plenty of other dudes. That guy, okay. she she lets off the hook. But uh, yeah, you own slaves, but you seem like a good guy. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a pass. I, this I, time. I think he's learned," said Senator Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I found that uh, that most racists are easily swayed by slogans and nicknames. So go for it. <laughs> <laughs> the president did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed playing as Aveline, and uh, I think if you, like, Assassin's Creed Liberation is, is fun to go back to, if, like, the, the HD remake that made it on the consoles is, right. is extremely playable. Remind me the history of Liberation. Was it was it a DLC, and then was it PS? No, it was, it was on Vita originally. Vita, thank you. It was a Vita and it game. Was, it was okay. one of a handful of Vita games that were open world. Um, the other one that I, I really remember was Gravity Rush. And uh, to a lesser extent, Sly Cooper, Thieves in Time. But yeah, I'm so glad it's not locked on that platform and they actually brought it to consoles as, as an HD release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very playable. And Aveline appears, I think, in a DLC for Assassin's Creed 4 where you mm-hmm. play as her in Colonial America. Well, I know she's like a fan favorite because like every time I play like an Assassin's Creed mobile game or any future Assassin's Creed game, there's always like an Aveline skin. You know, you can mm-hmm. always yeah, you can yeah, always yeah. like use her equipment. Bust out that that cool outfit with the tricorn hat. Yeah, yeah. Well, was she the first female assassin in a mainline assassins game that you got to play as as well? I think she so. was right. Yeah, yeah. she is. She yeah. is the very first one. Breaking all kinds of barriers. Yeah, you go, Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and and it's that Michael works for. Yeah, it's full disclosure. I do work for Ubisoft, but it is it is a fun opportunity to kind of immerse yourself into that history and, and kind of learn a little bit about what slavery was like at the time and a little more about like the slave revolutions as, as they happened in Haiti and uh, everything Fox News told me it was like camp everything I need to know about about New Orleans I learned from interview with the vampire it's totally yes, fine fair or princess and the frog both are acceptable <laughs> <laughs> movie so good god well, I love that movie so much yeah. also so Aveline has a bullwhip which she can use to swing on things like Indiana Jones so. fuck yes mm-hmm. that's always cool oh and also one of the neat things about her was that she was able to she she was like the only assassin to use costume changes to mm. to her advantage so she had the the standard assassin gear which let her do all the cool shit that assassins do but she also had a slave costume that let her slip onto plantations unnoticed and then she also had the the elegant lady costume like the full on like bustle dress and uh gigantic feathered hat that uh she 
in in the first game, like she couldn't run; you just had to like walk everywhere with it. But uh, it let you blend in pretty much anywhere, and you could uh, charm dudes with guns so that they'd follow you around and be your guards. I mean, I saw Pecos Bill. I know what happens when you run with a bustle or ride a horse. Yeah, bad things happen to people. But but they let you do that in the the later remasters of the game. So. Uh, of course, yeah, because yeah, just being limited to walking in game sucks. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, how they they incorporated camouflage that they didn't really go back too much they, then they mm-hmm. were like for four they're like oh the suit just changes and it's yeah. Like, I, I, yeah that would be i wish future assassin's creed games would would do more of that yeah, kind it, of stuff it was a neat idea yeah blend yeah. blending in through what you're wearing versus just oh i look cool now mm-hmm. which yeah, don't exactly. get me wrong looking cool is, is cool yeah pretty badass anyway probably said that in an ed hardy shirt <laughs> <laughs> i have never worn an ed hardy shirt i only owned one and it was a gift <laughs> to myself <laughs> I've been so fucking cool. I've yeah. never owned any Ed Hardy shirts, but I've worn a lot of FUBU hmm. in my life. Fair. So I had a, I had a couple bootleg FUBU shirts that I would wear. I don't remember if it was funny or not, but I don't think it was. So I'm had, pretty sure it wasn't. You had FUBU <laughs> shirts? <laughs> See, I'm old enough where I wore cross colors hmm. back back in the day. Yeah, Hell yeah, so did I. My parents wouldn't pay that for fucking cross colors. <laughs> I'm not paying for you to wear a thing backwards. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was just really expensive. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. All right. My parents were... I was a fucking Wrangler jeans wearer. Yeah. Those dyes weren't cheap, man. You get, if you're going to dye your jeans green or bright yellow, mm-hmm. you got to pay for that. <gasps> the 90s were oh. terrible. They were weird. Anyway, let's move on. Number four. I can't believe people let them grab so much power. All that sci-fi shit we read as kids. Big Brother, Thought Control, Pre-Crime. It's all here now, isn't it? Thanks to booming at CTOS. Those authors saw it coming decades ago, but nobody listened. Everybody's too sold on pleasant corporate platitudes and flawless branding to realize the whole damn thing's a societal Trojan. Hmm. Trojan? I heard CTOS, so this yeah. is Watch Dogs too. Yes. yes Watch does. underscore dogs. Yes. <laughs> <Number> <laughs> <two>. <laughs> oh, stylized names and games. Please and stop. You can pet dogs in Watch Dogs too. Oh, yeah. Unless I'm completely confusing it with something else. That is when I Another made, Ubisoft That's game. when I knew that Remnant had made it as a game as we were featured on the Can You Pet the Dog yes, Twitter account. Nice. So good. Yeah. But this game is also so fucking good, and it mm-hmm. takes place yeah, in, in our city. Dude. I fucking hate Watch Dogs 1. Oh, I thought you were going to say 2. Okay. Game. Yeah. Yeah, 2's great. Yeah, I I love 2. I love the the weird recreation of San Francisco that's like accurate to like to a point where like, okay, this is I know this street so well like why am I suddenly across town when yeah. I walk across yeah. the street? Yeah, you can you can time skip through the old Laser Time studio. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That, which wasn't a new trick. Like, if you guys remember, True Crime Streets of L.A. did the exact same thing where it just, like, yeah, it was a very good approximation mm-hmm. of L.A. And, yeah. and this is the same thing. But Watch Dogs 2, you play as Marcus Holloway, who's yes. a like a young hacker from Oakland. And, like, the previous protagonist of, of first Watch Dogs, like, he can use a wide variety of weaponry. And yeah. but even though he can, like, he, he comes equipped with, like, a standard taser, and I think that's most of what I used... Throughout the entire game, yeah. like, like you, you, you have access to guns which you can three D print, but somehow that just never seemed appropriate. That's to like his character. Who, that's like people who play through Metal Gear titles and don't use the sleep darts. Like, what is wrong with you, you monster? Yeah. Don't yeah. kill anyone. Well, also, like Marcus is is such like he's he's like this 
happy-go-lucky computer science kid. Yeah. And, like, so sneaking, using robots, hacking, that all feels really appropriate to his character. What does not feel appropriate to his character is, like, I'm going to whip out my AK and fucking massacre a biker gang. <laughs> like, that's a little bit of Ludo narrative fight a lot business. of murder myself if it happens within a car. I'm like, yeah, just more corporations, man, making me kill with the hood. But you know who I did fucking murder? Those robot security robots in the Silicon Valley offices. Of oh, like the fuck fake, them. The fake yeah, Apple yeah, yeah. Corporation. No. Oh, the ones that scream the fucking Short Circuit 2 references. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I loved hacking them because then they, they uh, decide you can program them to love everybody. And so they just start ramming them at high speed. Yeah, dude. Knocking them over. Yeah, of yeah. course. Now, Marcus was cool because, yeah, it, it was a game where it did encourage you... Like you have so many cool tools in your tool bag and it's like, yeah, use all of these, use your drones, you know, like mm-hmm. use, use your stun gun. Don't just rely on the guns. That's, that's kind of the dumb, easy way out. And the beauty of Marcus as well. So you mentioned that the first protagonist of Watch Dogs 1, Marcus was actually likable versus yes. the Watch Dogs 1's protagonist who was like, I don't, I can't even remember his name cause I don't give a shit, but Marcus was yeah, cool. He was, he was like, he was like an incel that voted for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> He was just very generic and non-memorable, but yeah. whereas Marcus, like, Marcus had style, like, my only problem with Marcus in Watch Dogs 2 is I felt so old and unfashionable the entire time I was playing that game. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, God, I couldn't, I can't pull any of this off in real life, ever. Yeah. Not me. That's why I always wear cartoons with Hanna-Barbera characters on <laughs> the timeless. You wear timeless. cartoons? Jesus, cool. Marcus, he's part of a, a hacker group, like a, a cell of DedSec. And his, his dead cell, if you dead yeah. cells. His misfit friends are also a very big part of this game's charm. Who is he? It's Retro. The home domain awareness hacker? That Retro? Yes. We told you that already? Yeah, I never listened. Uh, yeah, Retro is, is Marcus's. That's the other thing. It, it also implied like he loves retro classic video games, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really weird. But one thing I remember, like I played through the... the Google or sorry, Noodle mission. There's there's a bit where like one one of Marcus's friends, Horatio, works at uh, Noodle, which is the game's version of Google, and uh, you you go out to its campus with him, and you're hanging out. And I didn't really think much of their behavior during that mission, other than like, oh, they're fitting in in a corporate environment, whatever. But somebody called it out as like, this is an example of code switching. And it's something people go go through when you're you're any kind of minority, like you you talk a different way to some people than others. So yeah, so no, I didn't realize I did it until I started working. Like my first like real job, I was working at a Krispy Kreme. I was like 18 years old, and it was like my best friend who caught me. He was like, you know, you talk to like your black coworkers a lot different than you do your white coworkers, I was like, what are you talking about? And then, so then I go back and like, well, my coworkers, I talk like I normally do. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I really love, I was like, holy shit, I, I didn't even know I do it. But I mean, it's a, it's a mechanism. What's, what's that movie, uh, the really good movie Departed. from last year? Not The Departed, but the really good movie. It is. It was Marky Mark's like, so I bet you have two fucking accents. One on the weekend <laughs> when you're with your dad and the other one with your mother. That's I, why I'm, put them in the- I'm ta- sorry for bothering you. Uh, they talk oh, about yeah, like, yeah. They talk about, much funnier movie. Yeah, you talk about the you know your voice. Like I had that when I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Hi, my name is T. L. Foster. How can I help you mm-hmm. today? Then I just talk to people. I'm like, hey, I'm he. I'm me. Like it's it's a weird thing that you have to do to code switch. Like it's it's how you're it's how you're visible in a world where you're not supposed to be visible. Huh. 
Ooh, interesting. Ooh, but hey. but here's here's Marcus and Horatio talking as they talking to each other as they walk into the noodle offices. Man, I feel so exposed. Hey, yeah, welcome to my world. There's only three other black people that work here. Two guys, one woman. We have our own mailing list. That's rough. But hey, you're fighting a good fight, changing the face of corporate life in the valley. <laughs> you haven't experienced corporate life until you're the only brother in a meeting and have to represent all of Blackdom. Jesus. And yes, I'm aware of the irony here. <laughs> I'd say it's like, man, I wonder what that feels like. <laughs> Can't imagine. Golly. Imagine trying to be on the website. <laughs> Honestly, imagine like working on the website. I was working on Front Towards Gamer, and it's like, oh wait, I'm the only person of color here, huh? Mm. Uh, so it's it's yeah. always it's always very weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but hire more people of color. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then here's how they they talk in front of Horatio's coworkers when they walk into the like the lunch kitchen area. Hey, uh, do you want a coffee? Uh, no, I'm fine. Oh, please, help yourself to a pomegranate. There to die for. You're so great. Thank you so much. Okay. Neato. <laughs> Maybe a little exaggerated. A little bit. A little bit. I'm going to say, this shit is trigger against fuck. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I've, I've been there. Oh, I've man, been there, I'm and sorry. it sucks. Yeah. That sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Watch Dogs 2. <laughs> I think we just got way deeper than we meant to. <laughs> it's a really good game. It's a great character. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually very surprised that they were going to go with the a black lead, especially like it was like, oh, we're going to do Silicon Valley and like all this. And I don't know. It was just a really, I really enjoyed that character. I enjoyed that game. I agree with Chris. I think Watch Dogs 1 is like, really really bad but two was a very pleasant surprise i really really enjoyed it and i'm not even from san francisco so i didn't even get like half the street it was just a really fun game for me. Uh, but, but i think that was the thing about is that the first one the first game had like a legitimate point but at the end of the day it was about shooting people silently and this next game was about a bunch of young people upset by the shit i was living through yeah. right uh it just, and the idea of like taking down certain corrupt a- aspects of silicon valley I don't know. I always felt like Ubisoft like walks up to the line of like true controversy, but like hmm. this game sort of like went there. Yeah, yeah. In a it it like, kind of did. Like there, there's a, like uh, the way that the game is structured. It's it's divided into a bunch of different story arcs, and one of those story arcs basically involves you taking on a stand-in for the Church of Scientology. Yeah, um, I that. yeah, and and it just the, the simple switch of the protagonist from being like. I am the only one who could yeah. pull off Aiden, who will Aiden save Pierce, the people of this name, world. Aiden the Pierce, the, the other game is Watch Dogs Two is just a bunch of young people like man, fuck these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it also does a really good job. Like, let's be honest, guys. Like, San Francisco is ripe for making fun of, and mm-hmm. the game does poke fun at like not just the corporate stuff, but just all of San Francisco and a lot of the bullshit. It's just like, yeah, they they completely went there, and I wondered as I was playing it until you can tell me this not not having lived here, like. Do people get a lot of those in jokes and a lot of the things they were poking fun of, or maybe not? You know, like I mean, not really. Like there, I mean, there's a lot of insular stuff that if I lived in the Bay Area, maybe I would have gotten better. Like mm-hmm. it's like if I if I, if I based a game off of Jacksonville and I had somebody like like I had a random drunk guy outside of a bar like scream Duval, like people wouldn't understand that. But I do because, like, that's a very specific Jacksonville thing. Right? I know like, nothing about Jacksonville, and so all I could like <laughs> identify with is like 
the the Jaguars. There's Jaguars everywhere in Jacksonville. You know what man. you've seen from the Good Place. I don't watch the Good Place. So. <laughs> which is like, which is like the most like Jason Momoa. Uh, Jason Momoa. Uh, Jason Momoa. Jason uh, Mendoza, Jason Mendoza <laughs> um, is is both the most emblematic Jacksonville Jaguar fan and not the most emblematic Jacksonville Jaguar fan. We don't have. Like, there's not like a, um, uh, you, you the, don't have fans. Like, <laughs> well, fuck you. Fuck off. <laughs> because the Jaguars do have a huge fan base. I have a lot of good friends who are Jaguar fans. I'm a 49ers fan. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's uh, yeah. not, let's, yeah, let's not. Yeah. Yeah. So well for but us. no, you could be very insular. I could talk about, like, I could talk about Riverside and stuff like that. Like, you'd like, I have no idea. So, like, Hell if yeah. you're, if you're doing an area that's like riffing on the hate or riffing on Bart, like, I know about this stuff because I've learned a podcast, but I don't know about hate or Bart or anything like that because I've never been there. So, like, those are references that it's kind of cool because I have, like, a podcast reference of, but I've not, I've never had to deal with those people, right? Yeah, but, but I thought the, the Watch Dogs 2 was so much less heavy handed. And mm. I think everybody, even if you are only watching one season of Silicon Valley, has some hand in the privacy problems in the tech industry. The problems with the NSA and fun ways to make fun of hipster culture while also having a game starring them. Yep. Yep. Where the other guy was a fucking trench coat, which makes it feel like it's 10 years older than it is. Yeah. Tell all your friends I said that, Michael. It was super fun, uh, the second one. Anyway, so yeah, Watch Dogs 2, fantastic game, but clearly not as fantastic as... Number three. I one when I'm back in Nam, sleeping in a foxhole. All of a sudden, these dark figures come out of the shadows. I try to fight them off, but they hold me down. Tie my hands together. Stuff a muddy rag in my mouth so I can't scream. Can't warn the men sleeping next to me. And then I got to listen as all those men die. I would imagine that's not going to go away anytime soon. No. I imagine it won't. I can see by your nodding, Matt, that you know what this is. This is Lincoln Clay, mm-hmm. just fucking murder in motion, just straight <laughs> up retribution. The man who took a bullet to the head and still made an entire game in Mafia Three, mm-hmm. so good, so good. This this was my. I had asked you before we, as we we're doing the list. I'm like, this is my lock. I love me some Lincoln Clay. I loved the fact that there was a video game based in New Orleans, which. Never really happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, we have two on this list. New Bordeaux. <laughs> but yeah, yes. New Bordeaux, which was basically New Orleans. And in the era that almost no one ever makes games in, which was like the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, late, like 1968, I think. Yeah, yeah. But Lincoln Clay is so awesome because, I mean, he's awesome before the events of the game. He's basically a special forces uh, operative in Vietnam. He mm-hmm. comes back from war. And then meets up with his family, like basically the Black Mafia in New Bordeaux, and gets fucked. They get fucked over by the Italian Mafia in New Bordeaux, or no, it's the Irish Mafia, right? No, it is the right. Italian. Mafia. Oh, that's right. He joins up with an Irish mob guy to who he can make one of his lieutenants. And uh-huh. this game is so good, and it's so it does stuff that I wish Grand Theft Auto games did more often with the alignments and oh, I'm going to take this person and put him in charge of this area of the city, and mm-hmm. it. it it's just a shame because I don't think that many people played this game in terms of sales. Like, I always see it on sale, and I felt like it went on sale fairly quickly, so I don't know that it sold particularly well. But 
it is so good and if you haven't played it you should pick it up because it's always on sale for super cheap and it's just like a really fun open world game plus you can see nudes in the playboy magazine collectibles that you find throughout the world honestly the most fun part of the playboy collectibles is that you actually get to read the articles like there are nudes yes but there's also like this is an actual article that was printed in playboy in the 60s holy shit it's amazing Michael, you can read the again, whole thing once again proving that there was someone who read the articles yeah, whatever man they they published some of the best authors of their day is no one going to back me up with this choice though like Lincoln clay no it's a good choice i like that game i played it on playstation plus i loved i was very skeptical about mafia 3 just because i thought mafia 2 was okay mm-hmm. um but no i i thought i thought he was such a really cool character i like like he's kind of doing the the not like guy coming back from nom and like how do you deal with that like that was a really cool thing it was like you said that era of like history is it talked about a lot especially like with with by people in the south and it was also very reminiscent to me because like I have an uncle that would have been the age as Lincoln in that game, right? So, like, to me, it's, like, it's really interesting to go back to him, like, hey, was this, like, how is this when you were this age? Like, because, mm-hmm. like, you went through Nam, like, you were born in 40, like, you were born in 43, like, is this kind of accurate? Like, it, it was very, it was a very cool thing. I, I love it. It's, it's, like, why I like black movies, like, they're sitting that time, too. Because, it's like, it's a, it's a time frame, like, it feels, like, so, it feels like it's, like, a hundred years ago, and it's like not even that far away, right? Like that's what's always interesting to me about yeah. that. I just also love that like every character in that game that goes up against Lincoln Clay like knows how much of a badass he is. Like they realize we really should have killed him. Like he because he's first of all he's like massive. I think he's supposed yeah. to be like six four. In- and, instead like, of his whole family, we should have killed him. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah, he's massive. He feels massive when you're controlling mm-hmm. him. Like he's got a very big presence in the world. Yeah, and I keep comparing him. It's like. He's like if Jason Voorhees was a Black Panther. Yes. He's, he's yes. Just has this huge physicality and just annihilates anything in front of him. And the game, and Michael's doing a stabbing motion. The other thing I was going to say about this game, I didn't realize that I was I was kind of going back to watch clips um, before the show. There's so many blood effects in this game, and you stab like everyone because they give a reason for. In a lot of video games, you are a homicidal maniac, and this game mm-hmm. explains it like, well, no, this man was trained to be this, and he's just using his training that the U.S. government trained him to do, and so, yeah, uh, sorry, but you unleashed this beast, and now you have to deal with him. Yeah, and, like, the the revenge moments when he, he tracks down members of these different crime families so and just executes them in creative ways is uh, fantastic. Bill, please, please, listen, listen, just... Decent thing it'd be let a man get in a prayer before you kill him. You can pray on the way up. Hang the man from a Ferris wheel. And that was that was in the amusement park level, which has one of my favorite sequences in recent memory in a game where you go through a dark ride. Mm-hmm. That's like telling the story of this like wolf creature in the mm-hmm. bayou, but it's basically like racist allegory the whole time and yeah, so it's yeah. kind of working on multiple levels chris did you play mafia 3 no okay yeah. well then but it, a lot of people did yeah it, it was fun it was super violent and uh you did get to not only meet the protagonist of mafia 2 but turn him into your underling appreciate you getting me out of the freezer and all but uh what are you doing here marcano deserves to pay for what he did so i'm going after him him, his brothers, his lieutenants, all of them. I'm gonna need your help. Look, 
pretty much whittle me down to nothing. I mean, this is it. For now, maybe. Once I take back River Road from Greco, money will start coming in, it'll be a different story. Also, a partner's now. As long as you do what I say and give me what I want when I want. <laughs> so goodbye, Marcano, hello, Lincoln, Clay. One thing with the lieutenants that I really liked what this game did is so you would convert these people to your side, but then you had to keep them happy. But then, like, if you if you um, gave one, like, a territory over another, they would, like, get mad at you, and it would change your relationships with the lieutenants. And and, and it was kind of this game where you had to balance, like, well, I want to keep... What's the matter, boss? You don't love me? <laughs> well, yeah, you had, to, you had to basically keep your lieutenants happy so you could, like, call in their, their reinforcements and stuff as mm-hmm. you're playing through the game. And if you didn't, like, they could, like, ultimately just turn against you, like, nah, fuck you. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And then you'd have to go and kill them. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's sad. Just, just give everyone two territories. There's, like, six in all. So that'll keep them happy. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, just I, I I really enjoyed Mafia Three. I I'm happy that someone made a, a game out of that, and that there was like a big old disclaimer beforehand <laughs> saying like we are aiming to like this was a, a, a time of where there was a lot of racism. We're we're aiming to depict oh, that correctly. Right, uh, you know, it, it's basically we're going to have white Southerners using the N word a lot, and then you get to chop them in the face. Yes, a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but definitely heard that while while researching for this game, too. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, uh-huh. that's in there. Yeah. Like, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah I, I forgot about the disclaimer stuff. Uh-huh. That they, they basically had to warn people, like, uh-huh. so this was a real thing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You're yeah. not looking inside Rush Limbaugh's brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't a Tarantino script. Uh-huh. But it right. could be because you are yeah. machine gunning a clan meeting at one point. Yes. Can't complain about that. And yet not my favorite way to kill the clan in a video game, which is from Red Dead Redemption 2, where you stumble upon them and if you just sit and wait, they will accidentally light themselves on fire, yep. which is awesome. Yeah. I do appreciate Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, look, the clan's dumb as shit. If you just stand here, they'll <laughs> kill themselves. Stand. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, anyway... Moving on. Number two. You a professional moron or just a gifted amateur? I need that shit you drive. He needs that shit you drive. (laughs) Aw, shit. Here we go again. (laughs) It's CJ Carl Johnson from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. He's probably one of my favorite characters in video games ever. Yeah. Even though though he is literally just, hey, this is the video game version of... um, uh, 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 the Cuban Junior, uh, uh, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Uh, Boys in the Hood. There we go. That entire wow. game. I'm glad, I'm is, glad I was here. That that, that 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 is Boys in the Hood, the video game. Like it's straight yeah. up based in the same section of L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in the first part, yes. Like there, there's there's a little bit of San Francisco. I, I'm sort of pissed they never added like San Fierro in the uh, GTA Five. Yeah, right. that would have been awesome. I was I was really excited for that. Like, we need a, a next gen San Fierro, and I've just kind of given up on it. Well, that but, one let you go to uh, their version of Vegas as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that version yeah. of San Andreas was Los Santos, which was Los Angeles, yeah. San Fierro, which was San Francisco, and then um, I'm I'm blanking on it, but it it was their version of Vegas. Yeah, and one of my favorite yeah. things, it's kind of when you learn how they make video games, is someone had done they had like unlocked the camera and gone up and shown you the actual map and mm-hmm. even though like 
San Andreas felt super far from San Fierro and from the their Vegas equivalent that we're all blanking on right now. Like it showed the way it it just like was winding roads that were all like kind of collapsed in on each other, oh, and yeah, so yeah. they were like right. the cities were basically right next to each other in the game world. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I really I really love this game because it just CJ felt like I know we made the Boys in the Hood comparison, but he felt like the like the first like GTA character that was like its own emblematic character, right? Like mm-hmm. Tommy Versetti was great, but that's just Ray Liotta. Like it's Ray Liotta from every '80s movie, and CJ felt like very different because maybe because you could go work out with CJ or just have him be incredibly fat, and then like oh, you could have just, him being <laughs> so fat. You can't call Jack the Fat Man. Unhand my blubber, asshole. I'm too fat for this shit. I need this car, man. I can hardly walk. Nobody jacks Big Daddy. Young Melee did such a fucking great job with that. And Michael, you told me when you sent this, you're like, it's even more fun if you just imagine him saying it all at one time in one, like, one stream of consciousness. Uh, I, I just... San Andreas is... It's probably one of my like top five favorite games of all time. Yeah, I, CJ just fucking rules. I love him as a character. A lot. It's one of my favorite endings. And and when we were talking to Cat about GTA Five last week, she's just like, I like Franklin because he's an innocent. And I didn't want to push it. Like Franklin's of GTA Five is never an innocent. He's following Michael around to like do all the crimes he wants to try and make him look more innocent. I just like hmm. that at least CJ had like a struggle. Like, well, CJ's whole thing was like, I'm done. Like he yeah. he he starts the game with like, I have I don't want to do anything with Grove City. Yeah, uh, and then it's literally like, it's the they keep pulling me back in. Like it, yeah. he just like he's like, I don't want to do anything with the family. They're like, no, fuck you. You have to be in this, and it's just a man reluctantly like yeah. having to go through all the shit. As far uh, as I know, Franklin was left a really nice house and has a really nice car, and like CJ didn't have that, so like I right accept yeah. his, his storyline. Starts the game on a bicycle. It's one of my probably my favorite intro in any game of all time is you riding that bicycle. Yeah, yeah. By the way, the city Las Venturas. It's going to bother me. If thank we don't you. Say yeah, it. yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, CJ does. He is left a house by his mom. Like that's what brings him back to Los Santos is that his mom dies. Mm. But I think he maybe shares the house with his brother Sweet and his sister Kendall, who are both way more interesting. In some ways, more interesting characters than him. Oh, what a no good, narrow minded, hypocrite gangbanger telling me what is right and what is wrong. Let me guess, Sweet. Sisless killing right, but a boyfriend from the South Side wrong? Some things ain't just meant to happen. I mean, what if y'all have kids? Leroy Hernandez? That don't sound His good, girl. His name ain't Hernandez. Well, Leroy Lopez Leroy did. Lopez either, you racist fuck. That ain't how moms raised us. Well, I ain't racist. I just know how they feel about you. And look at you. You dress like a hooker. Oh, and I guess you two would know what a hooker look like, huh? You say it like it's a bad thing. Shut, Shut up, up, Carl. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I think CJ was like, that's the first time that I really saw a fully realized black character in a video game who was the protagonist who wasn't just a cartoon or like a, a one note. Like, like you had Barrett Wallace from Final Fantasy VII who was kind of just basically Mr. T with a gun arm. Yes. Uh, yeah. CJ was, was he, he was the clo- one of the closest things that video games had achieved to like a, the, an actual human character like this was right. he, much more first, of an he's RPG the first, he's the, the first black everyman yeah yeah kind of yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's the first video game character I was able to eat at Taco Bell literally every meal, <laughs> and yet go to the gym and get super fucking yoked. Well, you eat salads at Cluckin' Bell, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not secret. what I was ordering. Yeah, <laughs> my CJ was yoked just uh-huh. unnaturally, dude. Yeah, like just huge. Yeah, I'm a well dressed maniac. You look like John Cena, Jay. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say. I'm about to say. Did you make Bobby Lashley? I did. <laughs> he <laughs> was bigger. Bobby Lashley. He was bigger than Bobby Lashley. He was bigger than Big E. Mm. Slapping meat. You're slapping the meat. God, I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that video so much. It's so great. But but two like, big men slapping meat. Oh. But like San Andreas, especially like you you said when I brought this up, like uh, he's very kind of a stereotypical boys in the hood character. Like yes, in the first third of the game, and then like as the the game's uh, horizons broaden, so do his. Mm-hmm. Like he he kind of evolves as a character a little bit, becomes more well rounded, becomes more ambitious kind of sees more of his state and he he grows a bit and he, he goes from like just uh, we're gonna kill drug dealers in our neighborhood to uh, I'm gonna run drugs for the CIA now which is mm. they'll probably give me a jetpack yeah yeah you would get a jetpack out of it after we go into area 51 <laughs> <laughs> don't even Naruto run into area 51 <laughs> uh, yeah 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 and, and I will I just wanted to say again because I do like in uh, GTA Five, you can go back to that cul-de-sac, and I can never forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's it's extremely cool. memorable. Yeah. yeah, and 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 but then like, I want I just wanted to say again, like the riot at the end of that shit is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a game. I'm almost scared to go watch it again on YouTube because hmm. it it was so unexpected, and like and like I thought I'd seen everything characters in the city could do. But to do, it wasn't exactly a raw nerve. The L.A. riots in like what year was it? Two thousand five. The L.A. Oh, the, the game was the, the game, game came out. The game came out. Yeah, whereas yeah, the game came out two or ninety three. Yeah, the game came out. So that game came out in 04. I know this because it's the first video game that I have ever reviewed, mm, and oh, it's yeah. one of the it's one of the worst things I've ever written in my life. Oh. <laughs> Every time I read it, I feel very ashamed. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> No I mean, it, it, in your defense, um, I'm guessing you got like five paragraphs of bandwidth to sum up a 120-hour experience. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just started college, and it was like my first. I'm going to be a video game reviewer. How do they write a game pro? I'm going to write just like that. Did you call it a mixed bag? <laughs> um, I did not. I, I think I said there's never been a game that's ever done anything like this before. Oh like it's, oh it's not great. Well, to be fair, uh, I would have said like, with so many options, Grand Theft Auto doesn't know what it wants to be. With a massive array of activities, it can't seem to drill down on... Uh, never mind. What, whatever. We all learn by imitating GameSpot reviews or whatever. No, no, no. This is just generally lame how I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's my problem. <laughs> Mm. His, his Aaron Tenron voice is just droopy dog. We're fans yeah. of the genre. <laughs> yes, I reviewed every game like Joe Lieberman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but also like in in growing Carl as a character, like and and growing a scope, like I I still remember the main villain of this game felt terrifying at first, but he kind of goes from like T Rex to Compos Agnathus over the course of this game, from like a very big dinosaur to a very small one. We can shit on you from such a height, you'll think God himself has crapped on you. You understand? Yeah, you might be played by Sam Jackson, but uh, you're still just a cop. 
I'm still I'm not Officer sure. Tenpenny. That, yes. That felt that still feels like the biggest star they ever had in a GTA game. It's right up there. And they, and they except kinda, that I, again, I've forgotten five. Danny McBride is all over that like southern radio station. Oh gosh. Yeah. They kind of moved away from the celebrity characters in uh, in four and five, but they still have like celebrity DJs. I think Sam Jackson was pretty public. Like, uh, I had no idea. I was accepting so much less money than I'm used to. And then they, they like, put out a press release the first week. This game has moved more than any any entertainment product in history. And I was like, fuck these people. I'll never work with you again. Mm. Mm. Too bad. And now he reads the weather to me on my Alexa devices. And now he does Capital One commercials. Sam, I'm, I have so little critiques of you. Other than hey, that. he's going to be in that new Saw movie with Chris Rock. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so excited. But it is, of course, time to move on to our... That was the number one? No, this is number one. Who is this? I'm Clementine. This is my house. Hi, Clementine. I'm Lee. Lee! From Lee. Without Dead. Lee, you would never know what Hulu was brought to you by. Mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, TL, this was your lock, right? You told me, I was yeah. like, okay, are there any names out of this big list that have to be here? And you said Lee absolutely had to be on this list. Um, I, I, this, I love this game so much. I don't think I've ever cried as hard as I did at the end of the first season of yeah. The Walking Dead. Um, Lee is such a well-rounded character, and to me, he felt like the first black character, like the, in, a, in a video game. Like he was a guy who you could, could have been any other race, right? But he also is black, and it's like dealing with b- being black in Atlanta um, while everything's on the shit. Like he gets pulled over by a cop <laughs> while all this shit is happening. Like it's such a really weird. He's in know, a cop car when the yeah. game starts. He's, he, right. Yeah. He is, yeah. And it's it's not just that he got pulled over. It's that he oh, is right, going to he... prison for murder. And it's right. like it's never entirely clear. Apparently, like his wife was sleeping with a politician. And right. he, he may have killed one or both of them. It's, we, you don't know. You That's never find out for really sure. You, yeah. And, yeah, it, and but, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Because one of the points of The Walking Dead is like, it doesn't matter what you did before this. All that matters is that you're going to help other people survive. Right. And I thought it was such a really cool thing. So, like, I never... I, I, I like the, the comics uh, that Kirkman did, you know, fairly well. But um, I thought it was a really cool way of using a black character in the... Like, in, as almost like a, a in, an antithesis to, like, Rick Grimes. Where Rick Grimes is, you know, he's a cop. And now, like, how does he... How does he, you know, adjust to law and order? Where you have Lee, who... Some people know what he was convicted from, and some people are just flat out racist. And like, how do you how do you move past that in a world where there should be no answer to racism, but people are mm-hmm. still fucking people? It's so good. And then like this his story with Clementine, it was just so just tremendous. And I I love like Lee is probably one of my favorite video game characters ever. Yeah. I just love I love it so much. So he's yeah, he's a think, history think... professor who specializes apparently in Civil War stuff. So he he like I, I'll, I'll always remember that one part where like who cares about Civil War battlefields and he just kind of slowly raises his hand. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think a like to your point, TL even even their Dale Gribble character was like surprisingly nuanced. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's also a a moment that kind of stuck out to me when when you meet Omid and Krista for the first time. I think in like the 
third or fourth episode of the the first season. The it's following fourth, episode it's, it's is brought fourth. to you by Geico. <laughs> yeah, it's the fourth. It's the fourth episode of the, oh, yeah. of the okay. first season. Yes. You're not her dad. He down there? It's that obvious. To me. And no, he's not down there. Huh? What's your story? I came across Clementine alone. First day all of this happened, I was actually incarcerated. Sick. Do you have any prison tats? I uh, didn't make it that far. Didn't even make it to prison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, such a big part of the story is Lee bonding with Clementine, this little girl that he finds, and he kind of becomes her de facto dad over the, the course of that first season. And then Clementine in the subsequent season becomes... The, the protagonist, then a side character, then the protagonist again. You get to see her grow into a teenager. And she's kind of shaped by the things that you do in that first season if you're doing like a complete all the way through playthrough. And especially in that final scene, which, as you said, was a huge tearjerker. And uh, spoiler warning for those of you who haven't played this and somehow haven't been spoiled on the ending yet. But uh, a a terrible thing happens, and I'm going to play a sound from it now. Oh, my turn, honey. If I do, it won't be good. No, you can't. You can't do that. Trust me, Clem. I don't want to. I'm trying. I'm trying. Stay away from the cities, Clem. Uh, Yeah, I I think there's something to me that was always lost in that series, The Loss of Lee, but I think that was mm. part of this being the first real, what you'd call a telltale game, even though they were kind of doing a little stuff like this beforehand. Lee was a very interesting, grounded heart of the series, yeah. and it was nice to watch Clementine grow, but like, I don't know, like, it was Lee was a much more interesting character. He so, was. Can we? I, I loved... Sorry, Can we really quickly stand for Dave Finoy because his oh, voice Dave acting fin- is so good. And I have a quick anecdote, as I am wont to do on this show. So before Remnant came out, it was like right before it came out, I was playing the game. And Chris, you've played it so you know. Um, Dave Finoy vo- voices one of the survivors in like your little town or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I heard it. I'm like, God, why does that sound so familiar? And I finally identified it as Lee. And so I, I typed to the producer. I'm like, hey, is that... Is that Dave Finoy? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he does the part of this. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? I would have put it in the PR plan. What is wrong with you? Like, like we would have gotten him to do stuff because he's so well known. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's not like Telltale didn't want him in every other game. They just took real chances. And I will take one more opportunity to swipe at a Star Wars Rise of Skywalker to, to do something with real stakes. Uh, and and permanently murder a, your your main protagonist is that a spoiler? It is, isn't it? A little bit, a little bit. But I, I think no, it's there's it's, no avoiding it. it. It's it's one of those spoilers that's no longer a spoiler. You know, it's like it shouldn't be. Yeah. If we're talking yeah. about the main character of Walking Dead, even if you've just you're tacitly paying attention to the series, you know it stars Clementine it's, and not yeah uh, an adult yeah. black man named Lee. It's, you, it's you like, mean, is it also a spoiler to say how the first season of Game of Thrones ends? <laughs> you mean not yeah, everything I, is a Fast and Furious movie? Yeah, strangely, <laughs> oh, damn it! I cannot believe that. <laughs> watch that new trailer. God, no. I remind me, Chris. I might take a trip to Tallahassee to watch that movie with you guys because I really want to. Uh, uh, but yeah. no, uh, but no, it's it, like I said. Lee was just such a great character. And I, I agree with you guys. I thought come. Clem was a good character, and it was, like, kind of... I liked episode two because it was, like, 
okay, how does she take from where Lee went? But, like, towards the end of that episode, like, the end of the season, it kind of felt, like, really just off to me. And I'm not sure if it's just, like, I had just such a strong attachment to Lee. But, like, I remember, like, playing the end of that, like, the that last chapter where, like, Clem is captured and just being myself, me, Travis, as a person, upset that this happened. And I'm like, this motherfucker, I'm going to fucking kill him. And you're doing the interview, like, he's going to talk. I'm just like, I'm going to kill you. When I get the chance, I'm going to kill you. And it, and that's what it dawned on me. It's like, I was able to imprint myself into Lee, where Lee is this very direct character, but I saw myself in there because I could imagine being him. Because that, like, in a circumstance that could be me. And I think that's what makes him such a powerful and great character. Like, I, again, I love that game so much. I love that yeah. character so much. I know a lot of people don't like the, the talk, the Telltale Walking Dead games. Cause like they're, they're interactive movies. I get that, but it was just such a, a gratifying character to me. I loved it so much. I mean, I've made no secret. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of Telltale games, but. I think, well, at least The Walking Dead, it peaked with season one. Like, season yeah. one, to me, was the best. So. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, he's, he's a frog in Fables, which is another really... Fa- I, hey, was dude, really? dude, Wolf I Among Us. he's in Fables, yeah. though. Yeah. We're getting more Wolf Among Us soon. Yeah, we are. But uh, sadly, no more Walking Dead with Lee. Although, it would be cool if they, like, did a, an offshoot season that was just, like, him getting up. It's like, oh, I'm not dead. <laughs> just do Undead Nightmare with Lee. Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> Play as Zombie Lee, and it's like, oh man, I I can still think for some reason, yeah. man. This is, <laughs> but I can only express myself through groans. Uh, uh, don't kill me. Mm. I'm not a zombie. We're called walkers. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. Look, I'm mm. walking. That's not the preferred nomenclature. Uh, I'm walking here. I'm walking. <laughs> I I actually legitimately don't respect any movie that says zombies in it. I'm not kidding. They're all. They're all B-tier zombie movies to me. Yeah. So the only good zombie movies are the ones where they're like, what are these things? We've never seen anything like this in our pop culture or literature before. <laughs> that is never said in Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later. True. What are you talking about? It's just zombie land. It doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It's, 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 it's said in all great... It's not said in all great zombie movies. Like um, like the day after... what uh, I Am Legend. There we go. I the Am greatest Legend, zombie Turn movie. of the Dead... <laughs> Walking Dead. I, I'm kidding. Iron Legend sucks. Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> it's a bad movie. It really does. It was a good book. And we talk about a movie that guy wrote starring Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd on this week's 30 2010. And I am absolutely shocked by that. Hmm. All right. That is definitely worthy of a double hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't think of the movie. That's why I was like, hmm. All right, so that is our top five black leads, black protagonists. Do you disagree? Do you have a better one? Well, you'll get a chance to answer in the second segment after a short break, so stay tuned. This week on Laser Time, the internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. We're in the 20s now. We have, we have games from the 20s. 
on the NES. Um, Popeye. That is Popeye. Popeye, uh, which we discussed on an earlier episode. Like, I wouldn't call Nintendo's mascot, but they like, wanted him to be. before Mario existed, like, no character was more associated with Nintendo than Popeye if you were living in Japan. It's a, a 1960s ramen deal. It's, it's the first Nintendo licensing deal. It's the first big game. It's the first. It's a big game and watch. It's puzzles. Like Nintendo made a ton of Popeye shit. And if Popeye. <laughs> Never get tired of saying this. If Popeye's licensors hadn't been pricks, we might not have had Donkey Kong in Mario. <laughs> and that would be like, uh, that's 56 years of difference. So that would be like right now on the Nintendo Switch, uh, Sword in the Stone game came out. And on Xbox One, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> which I say, I say, <laughs> Gotta again, be a VR game. I wrote that, I wrote that down. Like, why would that be bad? Yeah. Why would a Birds game be a bad? A VR Birds game would be awesome. I would love to be trapped in the phone booth while I'm trapped, <laughs> like, with just birds smashing in. That's too big. Uh. That's actually from The Simpsons, and I haven't seen The Birds, and I have never <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LazerTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back to our final segment where we will not belabor any points in uh, moving our hand slowly toward the keyboard, waving it around in circles in air, and hitting this button. Oh boy, things are starting to heat up a bit. Uh, we've we've lost TL for this segment because technically it is we're recording this before he even showed up. So uh, what could he have said that upset us? So we don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> Dark Crystal, Age of Hashtag Resistance, uh, uh, Age of Resistance Tactics came out. That's that's a thing. <laughs> I checked <laughs> my notes. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I like tactics games. I just don't like resistance games. <laughs> I like Age Dark Crystal, but can't they just give in to the Skeksis? Why does it have to be resistance? I just I know there's some legal reason why like holy shit, just call it Dark Crystal Tactics. Mm. There's not enough Dark Crystal in the world to confuse this with it anything. It needs to be tied into the Netflix series Ugh. specifically. Ugh. And it very much is in that It does, because it's made by Netflix. So the first seven battles, which I, I played to the the end of the seven, or I played into the seventh one and got stuck, but mm-hmm. uh, they they just recreate moments from the show, and it's like there's this moment in the show, and to get very mildly spoilery, where uh, the the Gelfling heroes are all dream fasting with Agra, and so they're like all in this dream space together, and they're like telling their stories, like how did we get to this point. And that's what you're playing through, and so you're playing through all these flashbacks, and they... I bet you're wondering how I got here. Yeah, yeah, but but so you're, you, there are several story paths for each of the characters to how they got to this point, and some of the uh, quote-unquote battles are fucking insane. Like, hey, remember when that princess had to look around in the library for a book that detailed, like, oh, why did the Skeksis do this thing? Uh, well, now the librarians are all fighting you, and you have to kill them, and you have to attack the books, which are gigantic. It's, it's just—it's a very eight-bit approach to to that kind of adaptation. I can't remember the last video game based on a Jim Henson property. I believe that's the Muppets CD-ROM. Hmm. No, Muppets no, Party Cruise. Muppets Party Cruise is one of the last <laughs> games. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed what I have played. I think it the that the tactics part looks really, really good. 
And the interface, like the UI, makes it look like a free-to-play mobile game, which is unfortunate. But under there, like, okay, no, this this is... Like, it's, it's not continually pushing me with new text-based tutorials. And here, buy this from the shop. Oh, for... You, if you can get more energy by uh, spending tokens, which cost five dollars a piece or whatever. What are you playing on? With uh, PC. PC. Okay. Mm-hmm. On Steam. On the Steam. Okay. Yeah. Steam. Because I think didn't this come to Switch as well? Probably. Yes. I would. I'd be anxious to see how the UI looks on Switch. Because probably not that different. I've been yeah. having some discussions with a coworker, and there's actually a Reddit thread all about the worst offenders with Switch games with tiny text is a thing that really mm, needs to stop. I hope not. To the fact that like there is actually a feature, by the way, a little hot strat, um, for the old people listening, there's a thing where if you like, you have to enable it on your Switch, but if you like double tap the home button, it turns into a zoom feature for the Ooh. tiny text when you're in handheld mode. Mm-hmm. What? But that's an awful way to play games. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to put a magnifying glass on my text. Like, no It just thanks. zooms into the whole screen? It zooms in on, yeah, where you can drag it around to read the text. That'd be easier no, if it's I tiny. I can play Fire Emblem better. Yeah, exactly. Fire Emblem is a terrible offender with the tiny text. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... It is so weird that the Switch... The Switch is the, PS, the PC as uh, what the, the PS2 was to the Wii. Just put it on that thing. Mm. Don't change anything. <laughs> yeah. I've heard the tactics stuff is it's pretty good, pretty fun, not bad. Yeah, yeah it's all right. It's, it's tactics. Mm-hmm. Tactics more in the Final Fantasy sense. Of yeah, the Final word. Fantasy tactics, ter- turn based. Um, it's uh, because the the cast of heroes is kind of small. They sort of pad it out and give you a couple extra gelflings at the beginning who like you can build up and give them new equipment and uh, start of every map you get like okay, well here's here's like the characters that canonically have to be there here. And then uh, you have a party of characters that you can just swap in additional ones. So, like, even though this is like Brea's flashback, Rion can be here. And uh, you can fuck up uh, those Nurlocks or whatever the hell. Here's a, here's a weird notion I consider this, this is what I'm here for. Uh, the Muppets ne- rarely work in any medium but film and television. Mm-hmm. And... It, you lose all of whatever charm is there. <laughs> there are no good Muppets video games. Mm-hmm. There's, there just aren't. There's nothing. We should launch the first good Muppet podcast. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they, they, they just they all do pretend podcasts. to be Muppets, not Muppets that you know. Oh. Just Muppets that we just made up. They the the Muppets uh, trademark are uh, do real podcasts, and I bet it's the easiest thing they do all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't need to do any puppetry. It's just like the, the actors yeah, just put, sitting there. Put Frank Oz in front of a mic for an hour. Boom! You've got a year of content. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, Blizzard is in trouble again. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's, uh, Warcraft Three Reforged. So this kind of slid under my radar, except for Cat Bailey talking about it last week. But, yes, uh, yes. And there, there's. I guess the most noteworthy thing about this release is a lot of the controversy surrounding it, which mm. which almost kind of blends into the news. But let's talk about it. I have not I've not played it. I've I've watched a couple. Uh, I watched a giant bomb quick look of of Brad playing it, and it looks very much like Warcraft three. And turns out that's actually one of the big problems people have with it is really when they first announced the game They're back. Like, in, I want this to be like the Final Fantasy VII remake, where it completely reimagines everything. Well, yes, they, yes. They, if you look at their trailers, they promised a bunch of shit. There's yeah. like full blown cutscenes and redone a, a like UI, and they clearly just sort of like they do. A, they did what I assume is a very Blizzard thing. They gave up on it, but usually Blizzard would cancel that and just not 
not give a shit what you thought. Instead, mm-hmm. they released it. So back in 2018, when they first announced this thing, um, like Chris is saying, in those original trailers, it looked way different, and they promised they were going to make the cutscenes more cinematic because. The original Warcraft 3 cutscenes, a lot of them were just taking place on the battlefield, top-down perspective, and just... Yeah, it's it's, it's like watching if everything that came on your TV was from a sniper's point of view. (laughs) Yeah, and then they, apparently during the development of the game, they realized they couldn't do that and still make it compatible with a lot of the old game, because this is still a remaster, like they are reusing a lot of pieces of that old engine and game, it looks like. Um, and they talked about that at last year's BlizzCon. Unfortunately, a lot of people just didn't see those announcements, and they kept the old trailers and stuff up on the website. And so if there's one thing we know that's going to piss off gamers with a Z, mm-hmm. it's the dreaded downgrade. Ooh. And so, yeah, that is that is one of the biggest, uh, biggest complaints people have. Um, and there's a lot of, of little downgrade things, things they show that they didn't, you know, put in. There's also a lot of bugs, apparently. So mm. another thing at launch, you don't want any bugs going in your game. No those at least we know they will address and they'll get to those re- red mm-hmm. rather quickly. I meant to look into that more, but I think also part of the controversy is if it just looks like Warcraft 3, just make the old Warcraft 3 available, which apparently it isn't. Well, that's the big, that's what I was getting to is, is the final piece of this controversy is, this is a game that has a community that has been playing this game for 20 years. And when they launched it, they made regular Warcraft 3 players kind of download an update to the client that removed features from that game. So they lost features to things like, oh, clans? That's kind of a big deal mm-hmm. uh, in a game that you've been for, playing for 20 years. Uh, automated tournaments, LAN and offline play, ranked ladder play, and more. I'd heard the, the leaderboards were buggy, not working Blizzard has said they're working on that stuff, but when you downgrade not only the people buying the new thing, but also the people that have been playing a thing that they're like, hey, just leave my thing alone. I love it. Yeah, you're going to piss some people off to the point where, and this rarely happens, especially from Blizzard, apparently if you ask, you will get a full refund for this game. Blizzard is issuing full refunds for for Reforged. Yeah. So good on them for doing that, for Mm -hmm. making good, but ooh, that is not a good look for blizzard yeah. i find it baffling they just didn't cancel it like other than like valve they're like the king of cancellations they were the king of cancellations this mm. is not blizzard's not blizzard anymore man they're That's not... true they 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 do they will occasionally release a game have it become beloved and then take it away i'm looking at you here as the storm <laughs> but they're just you know, a lot of the people that were there at blizzard that we would have thought like make blizzard are gone like the most recent departure was mike morhane like kind of the head of that company right mm-hmm. so yeah, and while their current CEO, I'm forgetting his name right now, he is an, a long-term Blizzard guy, um, it's just not the same. And you can just tell the, the the people steering the ship maybe don't necessarily have the same clout with Activision or maybe kind of the same ideals of what they want Blizzard to be. And this isn't the only Blizzard controversy in recent memory. Um, there have been a few, and stuff like this keeps happening. So. Yeah. Also, Journey to the Savage Planet came out, and it's a very goofy, more contained uh, No Man's Sky-esque game where you are an apparently uh, budget-rate space traveler, and you are launched onto an uninhabited planet to explore and map it for some corporation back on Earth, and you you will have communiques with the CEO of said corporation who... Mm just send you it's just like these fmv dispatches vlogs that he sends i gotta admit this one i 
I'd never even heard of before it came out. This was completely off my See, radar. This, this pinged my radar mainly because uh, I think the, the creative director, the, the founder of the company that made it, is Alex Hutchinson, who uh, was the creative director of Assassin's Creed Three. Okay. So um, yeah, it's that's cool to see. It's, it's it's really catching to look at. Yeah. As well. But uh, a fun fun detail about it is that when you start. Uh, the, the game and you're like awakened from cryosleep or whatever and you, you go up and talk to your computer and it's like we have to make sure that you haven't gone insane after the voyage so uh, one of these is a picture of you can you pick it out and it's just like all these like 80s style class photos of like these people with like cartoonishly huge mullets uh, male and female and you have to pick which one you are and one of them is just a dog and it's like I'm picking the dog and it's like, great, you're not insane. And then, like, for the rest of the game, you only make dog noises. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, the kind of thing that would normally unlock after you beat the campaign one time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I intend to only make dog noises from here on out. <laughs> Is there, but only your favorite dog, that one, that fucking bad 3D one on the plane that goes... Um, I heard this game sort of has uh, Zelda-esque elements in that, or Metroidvania-esque stuff, where you can you can see things that you can't get to because you need a power upgrade that you can I mean, come back to. Right off the bat, it, it starts off with like, oh, I can't get through this barrier. I need to find my gun, which is somewhere. Mm. Oh, now I have a gun. Now I can shoot my way through the barrier, and I can also shoot these adorable, harmless things that give me uh, carbon when I shoot them. Boy, that dog's internal monologue is interesting. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not crazy, because the second I saw this, I got, like, a weird, like, is this, like, an alternate reality where Blaster Master was Mario? <laughs> and this is, this is, like, a Mario 64? Like, this looks this looks great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really fun so far. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to spend more time with it. But uh, I also spent a lot of time with uh, Zombie Army 4, Dead War. Jesus Christ. I hope they put more creativity into the game than that title. <laughs> uh, you like the Sniper Elite games? I do. I love them. These these are basically the undead nightmare versions of those, but they're a little faster paced, right? Yeah, they they're, are a little faster snake-y. paced. This one especially is is has a very Left for Deady feel, where they're encouraging co op play, and there's like a campaign, but just like absurd things keep happening. You keep getting swarmed by zombies, and like exploding zombies, and flamethrower zombies, and uh, yeah. But it's, it's it's the same team, right? It's a rebellion. Yes. And and it, I feel like it, it kind of works in similar ways. Obviously not the sniping thing, but they kind of drop you in. No, it has the in, sniping thing. Oh, it does have the sniping yeah. thing. But they drop you in like these, they're not small maps, but they're more contained maps. And it's like a scenario mm-hmm. like, duh, fight off these waves of zombies yeah, in yeah. this thing. Well, like the, the first real level, for example, is uh, fight your way to this resistance base. Okay, now go catch this train. Oh, no, zombies just drove a huge train full of zombies into the station and... Now everything's swarming with zombies, and you have to fight your way through. Oh no, the tracks are collapsing, and there's lava underneath for some reason. Run across that, and does it have our thing that we talk about—the the new hot trend, which is like the the enemy fluid mechanics of them just streaming through? It things? is. It is not quite that intense. Like it's it's not like uh, World War Z or Days Gone. Yeah, but uh, it, it, you you do have to fight off a lot of zombies. So there's a lot of running and gunning, and then like sometimes like oh okay, I see a few zombies at a distance. I can just hand here and snipe at them, and it has the slow motion kill cam where like this bullet rockets into the zombie face, oh, and you I just did notice see yeah. the X ray and the skull explodes. Or... It lo- yeah, it looks like Gallagher is the lead designer on this game because yeah, those yeah, heads yeah. explode like melons. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. I tell you what, those heads. Yeah. Do you guys like racist jokes? 
How come they're called undead when they're really unalive? <laughs> Gallagher, you can have that if you're yeah, listening. He probably will. <laughs> um, and Kentucky Route Zero TV edition, which is Kentucky Route Zero for consoles. Plus the last episode. Oh, yeah, okay, that yeah. game just wrapped up. Like, yeah. I played that... Dude, I played that when I was at PC Gamer. I started playing that game. Wow. It's been a while, and that was... It's a beautiful t- It's a beautiful game. What's it about? Like, for, because it's one of those games that has You'll been in development know. so long. Like, the, I played the first two episodes, and like the, the next, was it, two or three released over the next six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it Twin Peaksy? It kind of has that Twin Peaks yes, vibe. But like, but, yeah, but like, there's not a lot of talking. There's just like a really strange kind of deserty small town atmosphere. And then every once in a while, you just walk into this, this area and you just hear like, the echo of banjos, but you don't see anybody. It's really, and it really, it sets up mood like really well, but is also pretty funny. Mm. Okay, so I, I, but it's been so long since I played it. But I remember Tyler talked about it here as one of his favorite games of the year back. Well, I own it, and I had just mm-hmm. been waiting for the last episode. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to play it when I can binge it all." I guess I not, no reason to wait anymore. Yeah, exactly. Go for it, man. As well, do it. Um, did I miss any? I th- not that I know of. I think that's about everything. All right. We also didn't mention a new release. Bad Boys for Life is out, and it's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Really? Uh, no, I'm totally no, 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 no. I was too busy watching Oscar movies. Oscar time, ladies and gentlemen, it's this week, and it's killing me. I got my hopes up that you talk about Bad Boys for Life. I'm like, wait, is there like a twin stick shooter mm. license game that came out? Because that would be perfect for that. Yeah, it would be. I don't know. Maybe that would have been awesome. Maybe like Will Smith on... quipping with Martin yeah. Lawrence. <laughs> Check Apple oh! Arcade. Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry. It just repeats that like every few seconds. <laughs> well, let's move along to... I'm not quite sure if Netflix counts as Hollywood yet, but that's okay because we're going to talk about them in our BGA Hollywood Seconds. I am really excited about this next piece of news. You're also really peeking. Peeking, baby. That's what the compressor's for. Peeking on Adderall. Uh, Go for it, man. Castlevania Season 3. Just like the president. You ever watch... (laughs) You ever watch those uh, Castlevania seasons on the I old do. Netflix? Yeah, those. they're season, great. Season three's coming mm-hmm. March twentieth. Three twenty, man. Woo! Mm-hmm. It's, it's the best thing that's happened to Castlevania since they made games. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fucking wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the other good news, if you do like it, um, the third season is going to have ten episodes. Ooh. The first one has four. It takes less time to watch than most movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah and the second one is eight. So they've been like. Kind of doubling. Man, they should have gone 16. But, oh. mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they, they didn't, like, the animation's expensive, and they don't know if they want to risk that much money on something with a proven 20, th- what, like, 30-year record of success. Ten episodes is, is kind of all you need. To be honest, that last season, they did what they needed to in those eight episodes, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this. Like, yeah, sure. wasn't it, like, the last... It might have been the last two episodes, but it was at least the last one episode. Mm-hmm. It was just like an epilogue where they're just yeah. kind of sitting around after all the action at the castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you got you to gotta bring back Dracula. You got to. I, I know that the story of Hector needs to be told, but it's time to advance a few hundred years and bring on Richter or Simon or one of the other Belmonts. Yes. Somebody I can watch with my amiibo. Exactly. Yeah. 
It is one of my favorite Netflix series and one of the only anime I mm. really do look forward Dude, to. Dude, it's not just that. I, I think I've said it before, so this isn't like a hot take. I think it's the best video game adaptation of anything. Period. Yeah. It, it's up I, there. It's definitely yeah. up there. Yeah. I, can you just, I'm not, I don't mean to put you in the spot, but name something better, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And I can't. 1993, Super Mario Brothers. I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm your main man. You're Ramadam. You can't spam. I mean, I know most of you don't have a Crackle Premium account, so you can't vouch for the Dead Rising movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, too. Don't mean to discourage uh, oh, that. I watched the Nino Kuni movie. It's not bad. How was it? Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's does it have, does it tie? Because so, the Nino Kuni games, the events are very different, right? Mm-hmm. So does it tie in with the first one more or the second one more? Uh, it ties in with the first one more okay. to the point where they, they put a massive spoiler in the uh, thumbnail for the show when I was browsing it on Netflix. Oh, no. And it's just like, oh, well, now I know who that old man is. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Okay, am I just misremembering? The animation from Nino Kuni 1 was Studio Ghibli, wasn't yes, it? Yes, I, do yeah. I don't think the anime is Studio Ghibli. Okay, I, I, was, that, that was I think that would question. be pretty major Well, no, because it's on Netflix. It's yeah. streaming. Yeah. <laughs> they don't stream here in the States, mm-hmm. just everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. but no, Castlevania is better. Castlevania is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of streaming, NVIDIA officially launched their streaming service, GeForce Now. Uh, and guess what? It's only $5 per month for the premium tier. Mm-hmm. For everyone else, it's free. Yeah, apparently, it's been in beta for like years and years, and I'd, I'd only just heard of it. I played it in beta on a MacBook Air like wow. years ago, and it didn't work so well then. Um, and so it's nice that they took the time, unlike some other streaming services. <laughs> I was going to say, like, why is there so much? Why am I seeing so many headlines about Google Stadia? Did something happen? Like, it was just this. It was, well, it was like a better it was Stadia this just dropped. And Google just did their earnings call and didn't mention Stadia. Mm-hmm. I, I, I predicted they, they would support this, and they're doing the exact same thing again. I think the reason I'm excited about uh, GeForce Now, and I signed up for it, um, and what's awesome is they're doing a promo. I don't know if this was because I was in the beta or not, but I basically get it free until May, uh, and then it rolls over to $5 a month. But um, the way it works is, well, first of all, unlike Stadia, it out of the box is working on a variety of devices. So it works on PCs, Macs, um, and the NVIDIA Shield little handheld things they have. And I think they're they're planning future, you know, expansions to other devices, but it doesn't require like a Chromecast or anything like that, you know. Um, the other thing, and this is where I think they do have a little bit of a leg up on Stadia on the PC side, it just taps into your existing Steam library versus yeah. Stadia where you have to buy the games and that's what you play. Well, the experience of doing that is a little weird because it's, what yes. it does is like, so you open the client and then like you, you have the list of games that they offer. I'm like, I want to play this game. It's like, all right, well, we'll open up Steam yeah. within the client. So yes. like the Steam window inside the client window and now you log in as normally and you go and you find the game in your library and you click install and yeah. it says install on the C drive. And I'm like, is it going to install this locally? What's even the point? And then I do that and it's like, nope, it's installing it on a server somewhere. It's a, it's it still a virtual. A while. So basically all this is, is you're renting a virtual machine yeah. in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like an ultra powerful virtual machine. And They'll tell you when you when you go to stream a game, it'll test your internet connection and be like, okay, you can only do up to like 1080p at 60 frames or maybe 30 frames. Like it straight up tells you like what it's optimized for. Mm-hmm. But when you go to install the games, it doesn't take time to download them because they've already gone and like basically pre-installed. I forget what the exact number is, but it's it's up to like 
I want to say it's at least a few hundred. It might be like a thousand. There's like games that they're already like, yes, these work with our service and you can mm. absolutely stream these. Nice. Um, and so I'm guessing all they do is they just look at the most played games on Steam and say, okay, we need to make sure we support those and install mm. those on mm. these virtual machines. So when you when you click install, it's really just, oh yeah, I'm going to point to this location where this thing's already installed on the server and then and starts running it. I tried, I, I was playing Yakuza 0 on it today. Really? And it's so crazy because like you said, Michael, it's almost like Wait, is it tricking me? Because it looked like, because I'd just been playing it a couple days ago on the same machine, locally installed. And I'm like, well, this looks just the same. And then I started to notice a few little, like, artifacts of streaming video. Like, when I turned really quickly, the screen would kind of tear a little yeah, it kinda, bit. It also kind of does, or does it do, like, the YouTube artifacting thing, or... I didn't see any of that. I've seen that in Stadia, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can really notice it if you're in dark scenes. Like, anytime there's, like, pitch black. Like, yep. like the beginning of Red Dead Redemption 2, <laughs> you're going to see a lot of that stuff. But um, it it works fine. It works well enough where it's like, yeah, if I'm... So let's say I'm on a laptop that's not a powerful laptop that just has an integrated graphics card. I think that would be kind of the application for this thing. But I, I, much like Stadia, I... It shouldn't be like your primary PC gaming method. You know, it's for people if you don't have a gaming rig and want mm-hmm. to play games and have an existing Steam library, it's the way to go. Or if you just want to buy games on sale for really That's cheap. insanely perfect from like within weeks of, uh, weeks, literal weeks of Google Stadia. Like now everything you already own, you don't have to install six apps and wait for Google to put like uh, the 12th game on their store. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. integrates with your own shit. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's so funny when you look up the games, you can either just search for the games and it'll pull them up if they are like the, the supported games or there's a, there's one game. It just calls itself steam. And if you just <laughs> click on steam, it literally just opens a steam client on the virtual machine. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Cause the virtual machine is, I can said virtual, like fucking virtual fighter. The virtual machine is kind of like, at least when I was running it a little blurrier. And that's how I could tell it wasn't like my local machine. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm watching the video streaming video of some other desktop somewhere. But yeah, the, the, Working with your existing Steam library is huge. Uh, the price, so it's not going to be free forever. Uh, they did say right now in this trial period, um, you know, it's going to be free just for the lower tier. The way the lower tier works, though, it's a little, they're obviously wanting you to do the $5 a month where you, you're like, you get deprioritized in the queue. And so if there's a lot of people hitting a server at one time, you basically have to wait. And then it only allows like up to an hour session time before it boots you. Hmm. So they really want you to do that five with the five dollar a month. It's like unlimited. You can play as much as you want, and, and yeah, it still takes up bandwidth though. That's the thing. And but they're really good about showing you like um, for right before I started Yakuza Zero, it's like okay, this is probably going to take up about uh, ten gigabytes per hour in terms of data or something like that. So it puts more of that stuff front and center versus Stadia hides all of that. Not not purposely hides, but doesn't doesn't display all that stuff easily so Mm. it worked fine it wouldn't be my preferred way to play but i could see using it like if i'm traveling on business and i just have my laptop and i'm like man i really want to play this game it kind of works just like if you have the steam remote play set up because that's really all it's doing it's basically doing steam remote play like to the point where it even like said that it's like starting steam remote play when you start on that virtual machine machine. it's also giving you free games in addition to that right 
There's no free games. No. There's, yeah. What? Oh, pre-order canceled. Bas- <laughs> well, basically what you're paying for with this thing is you're just paying a rental fee for super powerful computers in the cloud. Yeah. Well, like there's a free version where like if you can play like up to an hour a day, like you said, yeah. and, and yeah. then like there's the $5 option. Yeah. But but speaking of free games on Stadia, uh, they just added guilt to yeah. their, their they're monthly. Yeah, exclusive. Yeah, they, they, give exclusive? You, they give you two uh, with a Stadia Pro subscription. You get two quote unquote free games every month. And one of them is guilt, which is like that's your that's your one exclusive. What are you doing? Hmm, interesting timing, Michael. Right when everyone's friend free trials are about to expire, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I got a friend code from you uh, that makes that sense. expires. That makes sense. Yeah, if you started playing at launch, so mm-hmm. that's why they're doing this. Or it's right when everyone at Stadia who works there is starting to feel a little guilt. <laughs> <laughs> And remember, I was rooting for this. They just they dropped the ball so hard, and like see this G Force thing, which I was not. I I heard of it, but it was not on my radar. Just to like solve most of those problems immediately for a lower fee. I mean, like a lot of things Nvidia does, it's just kind of in the background, and they they've been doing it. They've been testing it for years, like probably at least three years now, at least. You know, I, I got to tell you, I have a baffling outlook on Nvidia. They always. I worked in the games industry, and for publishers and publishing and like those people's money is everywhere mm-hmm. how do they how are they so rich <laughs> they they have their hands in so much more than just gaming cards like mm. they they also make money so every console sold there's either an amd or nvidia chip right. inside that the shield thing. So the, the, the yeah i think what is it there's a tegra chip in this switch yes from yeah. uh, shield right um, so they make money that way. They also do a lot of the the stuff with cars right now, like the self driving cars and all the the AI and cam. Because everything with the cars, you know, when they're self driving, it's all like camera stuff, and then scanning the image to see, oh, is your car drifting over into the lines on the road and stuff. So Nvidia, the mm-hmm. graphics people, they're really good at that. They also, you know, a lot of um, industrial application stuff like CAD and all that stuff. All that 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 is basically using graphics hardware. So. There's a lot of additional revenue streams they have outside of gaming that we just don't think because because the gaming stuff is more their consumer facing product. Mm, right. So you know, as we're talking about streaming, uh, in this GeForce Now didn't even come up, but Phil Spencer did an interview where he was talking about who Xbox the Wall of Sound murderer guy. Sorry, that's Phil Spector. Keep going. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, where he was talking about who Xbox views as their competition for streaming, and he says. Pretty much they're looking at Google with Stadia and Amazon, and they're not even thinking of Nintendo and Sony as main competitors in the streaming game. Uh, And here's this quote. When you talk about Nintendo and Sony, we have a lot of a uh, ton of respect for them, but we see Amazon and Google as the main competitors going forward. That's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but the traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position. I guess they could try to recreate the Azure, uh, which is their that's the server infrastructure they've they've installed. You know, with, where they have data centers and stuff. We've invested tens of billions of dollars in the cloud over the years. So there was a story a few months ago we talked about where Sony is basically partnering with Microsoft for the Azure stuff for their streaming efforts. And so, yeah, according to to Phil Spencer, he really is looking more at like the Googles and Amazons who have built up the hardware streaming server infrastructure versus, well, I mean, it's no surprise that Nintendo, he's not even talking about, because Nintendo's not even talking about a streaming thing. But but Sony surprised me because they do have PlayStation now. Hmm. If Google merged with Amazon, would they call it Goomazon or Amazoogle? That's amazing. Oh, it's a question we're all going to eventually have to ask. <laughs> Trick question. They'd call it Amazon Google or something dumb like that. 
God. I, I saw that story and I thought that should make um, people like us feel very old. Mm-hmm. Just because like, oh, Amazon and Google are much larger companies than the ones these other companies I revere mm-hmm. and interact with on a more regular basis. It didn't make me feel old. It made me feel it, – it put me in check with – our importance in the global gaming market. Uh, I guess there you go. In terms of the West, and we, we're very traditional in terms of like PC and console. He's talking, when you talk about we want to reach 7 billion people, that's like you're talking about China and countries like that. We're in India where cloud is probably the future because you don't have that huge upfront investment. And so mm, I think it yes, speaks Final volumes. Fantasy is very popular over there. <laughs> it speaks volumes that like that's where Microsoft's looking like, hey, if we want to expand the market, we want to hit these things that we, we don't even really think of when we think of, like, the total gaming market. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Oh! Speaking of the future of games, gentlemen, there's a little company. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Called Atari? No. Atari! <laughs> well, you, if you're one of the lucky few, you could be staying at an Atari-themed hotel coming to one of eight select U.S. cities. I, I thought we were already over that nostalgia that yeah. appeared in Walmarts in the early 2000s in the form of plug-and-play shit. Mm-hmm. It's over. Yeah. It just sort of goes to prove that for the right price, Atari or the holding company that owns the Atari logo and rights is willing to put that logo on pretty much mm-hmm. anything, including branded like Halliburton hotels. at this I point. Do- They're owned by... By Halliburton, <laughs> <laughs> I demand wood paneled bed sheets and uh, a TV in the shape of one of those joysticks. Well, they are talking about you know what these hotels would be. There's a lot of gamification stuff in there yeah. where you, yeah. I mean, I have to do shit. Fuck that. Yeah, you gotta do stuff. You no. gotta do stuff. But I, I think you know Atari the, the twenty six hundred especially is one of those things where like I get why it was impressive and popular at the time. But that was, like, a little before my time, so, like, growing up with the Apple II and the NES and the Super Nintendo and all this stuff, it's like, why would any sane human being want to play the Atari 2600 in 2020 or to to have any nostalgia for that? I'll tell you, so the kind of people who still want to play Atari are the same people who actually have money to do things like go to hotels, boomers. Mm -hmm. Boomers are the people that grew up with that Atari. They're not boomers. They're Gen Xers. No, they're like early Gen Xers. But it's like, I'm nostalgic for the worst imaginable version of Pac-Man. Because I'm a Gen Xer, Mm -hmm. and I am not in that crowd, man. I mean, I'm I'm a... a Late Gen X, or I'm guessing you probably are. I'm shoulder too, shoulder yeah. seas. We're born in the same year. Dude. We're almost millennials. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speak for yourself, man. I'm cuspy as hell. All right. I don't know what that means, but sure. Cuspy. Cuspy dog. <laughs> right in that that sweet means he's on the spot. cusp. Oh, that. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. I thought this. I literally thought that was a millennial term. I'm Did like, I grow up on the internet? Urban, yes, urban dictionary. Urban dictionary. Class yeah. In the gifted program. You know, cusping. It's like a new sex thing. I mean, that yeah. sounds like a sex term. So. It is. It's where you fist someone and just leave it there. Like a cuff. Because <laughs> you're a millennial and you don't have a job. Oh, is wow. that a, Is that a stereotype? I don't know. It's houses they don't have. Or cars. Right. Yes, yes. Fair. Or Applebee's. Mm-hmm. Or, or the desire to go to Applebee's. They don't serve enough avocados at Applebee's. I don't know, man. I kind of feel like they do. You just got to mm-hmm. look on that menu. It's a huge mm-hmm. menu, Michael. I, I mean, they, they have started serving ass, so, you know, there's that. <laughs> they have. Just expect a lot of cheese and butter. My God, I just had a brilliant restaurant idea. <laughs> we just slaughter a ton of donkeys, and we serve people ass, and the restaurant's called Eating Ass. I'm already morally opposed to this. I love this. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> 
All right, so last bit of news. I saved maybe the best for last. So this has sort of been a running joke on the show. We always talk about eventually every Wii U game will make its way to the Switch. One of the final holdouts, gentlemen, a wonderful game, is officially coming to Switch because Platinum Games launched a Kickstarter for the Wonderful 101 coming to Switch, and it had the most modest goal. It was $50,000 is what they they Mm -hmm. were the goal to get it over to switch. And then they put up tiers for like PS4 and PC of like 250,000. They fucking smoked all that within like 30 minutes. It's already at 1.3 million last time I checked. So it's happening on every system except the Xbox. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did did like somebody juxtaposed like by one point they'd gotten up to almost $2 million in pledges. And somebody like just juxtaposed that next to the Daily Stormer saying, like, we're going to have to lay people off because you didn't give us enough money. Oh, man. What a shame. Man, you, you think there's any, uh, you think there's a little shade thrown Microsoft's way from the old Scalebound deal, the fact that they're not going to offer this on the Xbox platform? Mm. Um, but yeah, so the Kickstarter, it's happening. Uh, the game is happening. It's coming to Switch. But that's not the super exciting. I mean, Wonderful 101, great game. Some might even say wonderful. Mm-hmm. But to me, the bigger story is this was sort of part of. Do you guys remember the Capcom Five? Yep. So I mean, I know Chris does. So Platinum's teasing something called just the Platinum Four. Hmm. So uh, there's a website. If you go to four dot dot com, uh, you will see just kind of four slots, and the first slot has been filled with, with this wonderful 101. Kickstarter. Sure so there's three more Platinum projects. Don't know what kind of projects they are, but maybe Scalebound could be one of the final three. Didn't I see that there's like a Kickstarter tier where like if you hit this tier, uh, Hideki Kamiya will personally call you out on Twitter and block you. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> would it? Like there was a long time where it's just like, I'm afraid to say anything to this guy ever or even mention his name without a tag. Because yeah. he he would block people at the drop of a hat and make a big show out of it. I don't know. I kind of think that's the right policy on Twitter at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. He's probably yeah. so happy. Mm-hmm. Ignorance is bliss, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys want to do a little fantasy booking? Like, what would be your the remaining three? What would you put in that list? Platinum Games, wish list, anything you want to happen next. Could be a um, sequel, could be a port. Well, if Bayonetta is like Platinum's continuation of Devil May Cry, I'd like to see them do something similar with Beautiful Joe. Like, it wouldn't be called Beautiful Joe, but it would be similar gameplay. All right. So, a Beautiful Joe sequel? Mm-hmm. All right. I will, I will stay or in the... Or a spiritual Cap- successor. I will stick in the Capcom vein, and I will go ahead and say Okami, the next version of Okami. I'll put on that list of the mm-hmm. of the Platinum Games 4. Chris, don't make fun of us. We know these can't actually happen. It's fine. It's fantasy booking. All right, Chris, what about you? You're going to fill in the last slot of the Platinum 4. I want to see Anime Slasher 2. Uh, that was... <laughs> Sorry, platinum has a type. Is all I'm saying. Um, and I, I, I don't know. Like, what? Because all, all I can think of is like pork, ports and sequels. Everything else is kind of they make is kind of owned by other people. Well, that's the thing. We we brought up Okami too, and and uh, and a uh, Bayonetta D yeah. or a uh, uh, beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe. And I'm mm. actually changing my mind now. I'd like to see them do Revengeance too. Actually, what I would like to see is Konami just hand them the keys to the Metal Gear franchise. Okay. Yeah, that'd be appropriate. But mm-hmm. I'm still going with Vanquish. Vanquish. Yes, yes, Vanquish 2. Oh, my nice. God. Because there's never been more of a, of a hunger to mm. watch the president die. <laughs> <laughs> that is our fantasy booking for the Platinum 4. Let's see what happens. But I think I'm excited because 
it was fairly recently we talked about Platinum sort of got an infusion of investment from Tencent. And mm. part of that was that they would maybe start self-publishing more. That's what would be one of their focuses. So the fact that kind of shortly after that happened, they're teasing four big projects, like that's pretty cool. So we'll see. A mm-hmm. uh, couple big pieces of news, both departures. I'll start with, I guess, the smaller one. Um, Rod Ferguson, uh, head of the Coalition, which is the studio now that handles Gears of War. Brother of Turd. Turd Ferguson's mm-hmm. brother. Yes, That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, he's leaving to head up the Diablo franchise at Blizzard. Weird. Well, it's weird, but also like... Is that sort of a signal that that next Diablo game is a long ways off? Probably. Mm. Because you don't have like a big creative head like that join a project right before it launches. Because why would you do that? True. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just maybe it's just for a mobile update. <laughs> 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 that went over super well last time. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Wasn't that being handled in China anyway? Could be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that leaves Gears, to be honest. Like, uh, I don't even know what they're working on. I was, I'm assuming the sequel to Five, but who knows? We hadn't heard anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't hear a lot about a lot of people leaving Microsoft Studios nowadays. You hear most people getting acquired or coming to mm-hmm. join. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so that is news. Uh, but you know, it's Blizzard, and maybe he just loves Diablo. I don't know. The bigger departure, though. Dan Hauser, mm. the creative force uh, behind the Hauser Brothers uh, at Rockstar. Is leaving in March. Is he the creative force or is it Sam? It's Dan. It's, it's okay. Dan. It's Dan. Dan is his title is VP of Creativity. And he he'd been on sabbatical or a vacation since like spring twenty nineteen. Ooh, right. So, so if we can get like our, our fucking e channel music going on. What do you think he did? <laughs> I think he went and relaxed on a beach with all of his fucking money because yeah. he's And said, you know what, why don't I just do this all the time? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but I'm, I'd imagine he's either in his late 40s, maybe early 50s at this mm-hmm. point. He's relatively young for some... Like, he's not near ready to retire, but a previous sabbatical would seem to suggest a health and or touchy issue. I don't know, man. If I made as much money as he did, I would just fucking walk away and spend yeah. all the time in the I world. I think people who still like work he... when they make that much money are fucking psychos. Mm. Mm. Well, he also, like, I, I, I can't help but imagine working on something like GTA and Red Dead Redemption is, I have to imagine that's pretty stressful. Even right. even just as as a writer, but, like, he's he's the head of creative and... I, I, the way you, I interpreted that situation is that, like, he's very fucking gung-ho, like oh, Vince yes. McMahon-y about his product and sort of expects everyone else to be, but not everybody's you or Vince McMahon, and you can't expect that from people. 100% agree. That, that, that was totally my read as well, is he's just like, yeah, workaholic, super driven, and he's like, well, I'm going to stay all night until we get this thing right... You guys are going to stay with me, right? And not not even like in a dickish way, like, yeah, they better stay with me. Just probably mm. like, yeah, everyone would want to do this. And you want to you hear my wild, uh, out of nowhere speculation? Please. That's what we're there here is, for. There is something a little... I, again, I'm replaying GTA 5. And granted, it's it's like uh, technically an old game. But it's like it also is playing an old game. And... I'm getting the feeling that uh, just I, I, until Michael said it last during our Games of the Decade podcast, like I didn't realize we we only had one GTA in a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was it. Like, and then nothing else. And I imagine there's a giant push to online. And I have to imagine what's his place there if he's if he's the writer. Like, I don't right. know that he's a tech guy. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he stands on like like general game design as far yeah. as like uh, I want a big ass city. Make it. Um, well, like, he, he's. I mean, your thing might not be very far off because he very recently was quoted as saying, "With all the shit going on in the world, and basically we're living in a farce." He's like, "What could you even do with the next Grand Theft Auto?" Like yeah. it's. <laughs> You know, like uh, their whole thing was right. was we were a parody. We were making fun uh, mm-hmm. of, of Dude, this stuff. I, especially, especially, and I'm sorry to be political, but also fuck you. Uh, <laughs> listening to the right wing radio, mm. it like, man, that was funny back then, but it is like prescient and predictive. That man won a medal of freedom, Chris. <sighs> it's, it's meaningless so now. crazy how, how like how they're like ahead of their times on like the Infowars beat and it like, holy shit, like this is like. You can't even laugh at it anymore. That's that's what I think. I would have to imagine. Here's here, here's here's my big prediction. I rarely make these. GTA uh, Six will be seamlessly online, and he probably has less of a role to play in something like that. He probably has people he needs to answer to, because I bet he doesn't know shit about the online tech. That game went online kicking and screaming. Strauss Zelnick's really busting my balls, man. Well, I think I think the online things they were they were. Their answer to, okay, these games make a fuck ton of money every few years. How can we keep making a fuck ton of money between those big releases? And the online games have done that. I think if I worked at Rockstar, I would be kicking myself with giving me the option to not go online in that game. To spend 100 hours in something where I don't need to interface with the online. I bet it'll be seamless next time. It'll be semi-mandatory. And that's probably like World of Warcraft. You just can't avoid it. And I, I bet that's a, that's affecting his time and power and the thing he created. Could be. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we, we, we're not getting any single-player story DLC for Red Dead Redemption 2, apparently. They, they would have announced that no. stuff by now. So that's the kind of stuff he would have been in charge of. So Well, mm-hmm. to that, like, uh, I, I know it's a little bit of a hack answer, but have you done everything in RDR2's world? No. I bet you haven't. Fuck I did no. not 100% that game. Mm-hmm. What am I, the Scrooge McDuck of free time? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go check on this Indian grave. <laughs> Still dead. <laughs> i got to go hunting, literally laying down for an hour until the certain animal. I those motherfuckers in the face for making me hunt even once. Fuck you. I live near the woods. I could do that anytime I wanted. So it's a, it's big news. It's a big change for... Uh, who knows how long does Sam stay there, his brother, you know, once he's gone... Um, I'd like you know what let's do wild speculation maybe he'll Chris. retire out of grief now. no dude this is an oasis situation <laughs> we're speculating and okay. I know none of this is actually true but this is like oasis where the brothers just hate each other mm-hmm. and Dan now is going to join forces with the Benz baby Benzie who left about a year ago now the mm. closer they called him the Benz uh-huh. and they're going to make the best goddamn game studio you've ever seen and the game they're going to be making is not going to be called Grand Theft Auto it's going to be called Amazing larceny car. <laughs> it's going to be called Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> but Auto is going to be spelled O T T O. Yeah, they'd be awesome, man. The uh, how about this for another piece of speculation? Uh, the groundwork for the single player has been done for months. You're probably right. That's and and yeah, it's all done. It's all it's all the. It's all the little, it's all the little elves who help figure out how to make a game work that he doesn't respect. <laughs> oh man! See, that's the thing is, is for me. So, so the days of like the one creative head where everything had to kind of run through them, those are sort of over because games, it, the teams are so huge, right? And and making games is truly a collaborative effort. And if you are on a team where everything creative has to go through one guy, 
you're probably not enjoying your time on that team. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, maybe maybe the place for someone like that, and, and I'm just going on what I've heard about, you know, how those titles ran and how, like, literally he had his hand involved with every piece of creative. Yeah, maybe he's kind of feeling like, yeah, this isn't really how we make games anymore, and, and I've been doing this long enough. Where it's either creative burnout or he's just made – I think my most likely is he's made a fuck ton of money and is like, I'm done with this. I've been doing this long enough yeah. and I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my life. I mean, that life. was my immediate assumption, but who knows? Yeah, part of that article was to, uh, outlining how much those motherfuckers make mm. and it's nauseating. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's still going to have a piece of that after yes, he leaves? Yes, oh, forever. Yeah. yeah. So Thanks why? to his why stake would, in the you, fucking BMG eight CDs for a penny movie company. Yeah, he's gonna have a stake in that shit forever. That's like people who win the lottery and keep buying weekly lottery tickets. Like, don't do that. Ridiculous. Just, yeah, you won already. Fuck yeah. off. Yeah. Let someone else have a turn. Yeah. yeah. Go buy an island. Yeah. This amazing three time lottery winner. No, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, so that that is big and and who knows what that means for, for Rockstar and the future of Rockstar as a studio. I somehow suspect they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is all the news that is fit to play. All right. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what's a game from the past 10 years that isn't likely to appear on any best list, but was one of your personal games of the decade? On VigilGameApocalypse.com, Cold Pie, uh, Hot Pie, <laughs> says... I'd put The Witness as my favorite game of the decade. The communication between the game designer and the player is the core of the game and stands out as the kind of experience only games as a medium can give. The game never explains its rules. Instead, you have to learn how the puzzles work from the puzzles themselves. There's no B-movie cutscenes or repetitive mechanics to waste your time. It's pure puzzle gameplay from start to finish. It's a masterpiece of game design, On top of that, the game's art style is absolutely beautiful, and there's a ton of tiny details crammed in as you explore the island. Uh, Handsome Ralph says, My game of the decade would have to be XCOM 2. XCOM uh, Enemy Unknown in 2012 introduced me, and I'm sure many others, to a genre I didn't even realize I would love. XCOM 2 took that formula and improved upon it in every conceivable way. The blend of strategic and tactical gameplay, as well as the massive amounts of customization one can dabble in, makes Civ's One More Turn Addiction look pale in comparison. I've dumped nearly 500 hours into XCOM 2 since it launched, which is impressive for me, since I don't have nearly as much gaming time as I used to. You're not the only one. If only Firaxis released a Switch port, then I'd be a very happy man. I can see that. But Michael, this is your perfect opportunity to pitch XCOM with Rabbids. Please... <laughs> it's been done. That's a genius idea. Someone should do that. Or with Gelflings from the Dark Crystal. I am not a twit, says Sleeping Dogs. Yes, thank you. Finally, a game that told the tale of a Chinese-American in Hong Kong, even if it's through the prism of a gangster story. The combat was lifted from Arkham, but Wei Shen could brutally beat up his foes in a variety of ways without having to run. I love that game. You don't have to run. You just jump off your motorcycle. Yeah, jump from car to car, man. Yeah. That's a, that's something more games should do. True. Man, I'm really glad uh, Tat Fitties. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I hope you. I hope you have a nice at reply with your mother with that name, Sarah. <laughs> um, as as a longtime Sonic fan, my dark horse pick for the game of the decade is Sonic Mania. After colors and generations, it seemed like someone Sega finally got Sonic. Uh, then that person must have been promptly killed because we immediately got Sonic World and Lost and, and Forces. 
Uh, boom was just a nightmare I had. It never really happened. Uh, good parenthetical there. Fortunately, Sonic Mania descended from the heavens and graced humanity with its presence. The graphics are beautiful. The gameplay is a blast. And I am still listening to the soundtrack in my car. Welcome back, Sonic. Uh, we missed you. I, Dude, Tat Fitties, I don't mind saying mm-hmm. again, uh, that was sort of on one of my short lists. Because just by the nature of it, something I can just load up and play. I could beat it in a night if I wanted to, mm-hmm. in like two or three hours. But I, I love showing people who haven't played games in a while Sonic Mania. And I love that it's my favorite video game intro of the decade, period. I meant to bring it up when we were talking about Shovel Knight and the Game of the Decade stuff. Is it? It kind of scratched a similar itch, but Sonic Mania was straight up just like, "No, we're making an old Sonic game." Yeah. yeah, it was. It was also weird because it came out around the same time as Sonic Forces, so it's like, no, Sonic Forces is the official Sonic Team one. This is the yeah. real one, and people are like, I think I like Sonic Mania a lot better. I love the his closing like, "Welcome back, we missed you." Uh, mm-hmm. The Sonic movie comes out on Valentine's Day. See mm-hmm. you, Sonic. We'll uh, we'll see you back in a couple years. Mm-hmm. I thought with the lack of like it didn't seem like that took a long time in the oven especially compared to like some idiotic horse shit like Sonic 4 proving Sonic Team can't even make a 2D game anymore Uh, like I just assumed we would revolve from here on out because there hasn't been a did I miss the uh, recent Sonic game? Sonic, I see what he did there. Spin dash, gotcha. No, I didn't. I didn't. You don't accuse me of making the dad joke. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, did I miss a Sonic game after Mania or Forces? No, Forces is the last one I can remember. Mm-hmm. Right, we did stream that. But, but uh, it, yeah, like, I, I don't... I, I thought they were going to, like... like the, I don't want to call Sonic Mania a fan game. All those guys are pretty pretty well... Pretty great, great game designers, clearly. Um, and they're being paid by a major company to make something, so they're hardly fan gamers anymore. Yeah. But uh, but I but I thought we'd get one of those every two years, and then the terrible Sonic we all make fun of. Mm. Zombie Panda says the game I know isn't on anyone else's list. Uh, Lizzie may beg to differ. Is Dead mm. by Daylight playing as some of horror's most iconic characters is very satisfying and a challenging asymmetrical game. I have played DBD almost every day since it was available for free on PS Plus. Watching the game grow over the years has been exciting as they add bigger and bigger licenses to the roster like Ash from Evil Dead and the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Yeah, it really is. They like took Left 4 Dead and then made it Smash Brothers. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting way to describe that. It's 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 a beautiful game. I totally agree, uh, Zombie Panda. I want to see the Demo Gorgon against the Demo Man from Team Fortress Two. Ooh, good one. Yeah, there you go. and then, then oh, and then Samuel Moon says, "I'm sort of with you here too." Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth is my favorite film franchise, and the game is amazing. It really is like playing the movie. The attention to detail is uh, spectacular, from the maps to Jason's appearance uh, to the method used to kill Jason. It is the best film the game adaptation ever, and I agree with you, Sam. Mm. Uh, the team at Gun Media put a lot of love into the game, and it sucks that the legal battle over the film's rights and uh, ended the new content. But they are still supporting the game with dedicated servers, bug fixes, and a recent update that allows uh, for more control over settings and private matches. So maybe no more 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have put almost 1,000 hours into it across PS4, Xbox, PC, and Switch. Well, I, I think he just invented a tongue twister also. Friday the 13th is my favorite film franchise. <laughs> like, try to say that three times Friday fast. Friday the 13th is my favorite film franchise. Red, yellow, yellow. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, 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 to, to Samuel's point, like when people come over to my house, we're all... We're all olds almost, and I show them things like Sonic Mania. Like, look at this thing you recognize that came out. 
the new 3D game I tend to show people is Friday the 13th. So, like, look how cool this old thing was adapted into something new. Yeah. And and then almost almost created a new style of gameplay that's that's slowly being ripped off. So I, I yeah, man, this is a good. That's a good dark horse, Sam. Well, in a, in a weird bit of like parallel thinking, and I I can't believe I accidentally did this. I put this right after Dead by Daylight, and those games. You talk about new types of gameplay. They're remarkably similar in the gameplay with the asymmetrical stuff of, like, monster versus the people that have to accomplish the goals. Which mm-hmm. one came first? I was trying to remember. Did Dead by well, Daylight... Well, part of 13th in terms of, like, development, and I'm pretty sure release, but there is still something far more refined about Dead by Daylight, but there's... Part of part of the charm of Friday the 13th is, ah, this looks like fucking sun-bleached 35-millimeter film. I love it. <laughs> yep. Let me get all the different Jasons you can unlock. That's always mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have Jason, 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 Jace. Huh. The Jace, Jace. The Jace, Jace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jace, Jace gonna chase Jace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it. Bert Arias says, very long-time listener for very first-time responder, my Dark Horse game of the decade is Dragon Quest Eleven. The stunning graphics, fairy tale storytelling, streamlined gameplay systems, and huge amount of quality of life improvements, saving on the field, understandable crafting, satisfying and reversible skill tree, etc., all work in conjunction to show that Dragon Quest and JRPGs at large have a place in the contemporary gaming landscape. All this without even mentioning all the wonderfully dumb puns and pop culture references provided by the stellar localization which I would argue is the best of any Japanese release ever. I could go on forever about how great this game is, but I'll wrap it up here. Love the show, y'all. Keep doing what you're doing. I can see that because, like, that that, that history that... Not history, but that thing Square was doing, like, we are only releasing this game for the most popular Japanese platform for a while. Dude, yeah, it, had, it hadn't been since 8 on the PS2 where, where, where a Dragon Quest game released on a current-gen piece of hardware. It like it. It looked irrelevant for almost a decade. That had to be like kind of mind blowing if you grew up with the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love I love the a little bit of Dragon Quest I played, but it is it is oh, very yeah, traditional absolutely. and grindy as fuck. So I've uh, never we finished. We have a one. couple video responses. First from Full Install, who says, "What up, you big American wankers? It's Tom here from YouTube channel Full Install. <laughs> we are pretty. I think big. I'm still allowed to send correspondence big overseas. Wanker. We've not gone full post Brexit yet." This week's question of the week, of course, was what is our Dark Horse game of the decade? For me, this was very nearly Into the Breach. A very simple concept, but takes an incredible amount of strategic thought to be successful. And it's one of those games that, because it's small indie, doesn't have a lot of graphics and very few combat mechanics that are all based around a very good concept, it could have come out two decades ago and it would have been appealing in the last decade. And I think it still will be appealing in the next decade. Very similar to how the XCOM games go. I have the same feeling about Enter the Gungeon that also needed top of the top spot. But I'm going to go with what my original uh, answer was for Game of the Decade on the video that I set as private and didn't manage to get played, uh, which is Company of Heroes 2. Yeah. It came out in 2013, uh, and I'm coming at this from a complete online standpoint, but I've never played an online RTS. Well, they don't really make them anymore. It's just MOBAs and they're all crap. But I've never played an online RTS that, was, that took so much consideration uh, and was so rewarding. Uh, if you make it past like the first 10 minutes of a battle, you're probably going to be in for a good hour and the tides of war can shift so dramatically, and it's never done through just swarming you with tanks or artillery. It's always done by strategic thought. You've got to be considerate with what you actually do, and it makes you, it forces you to, you know, have a good strategy and consider your units properly. 
And I just don't think I've had that level of immersion in an online battle uh, than Company Heroes 2. I can see why it will be off-putting to some people because there is a bit of a learning curve, but once you get your strategy down, it's really fun to apply it to other people who have a completely different way of playing to you. It's one of the best balanced games I think I've ever played, and it hasn't got boring. And it's also a really good example of a game that came out in 2013 and is still being supported to this day. It's still got a thriving community. Uh, Relic's still putting out patches and updates, and it hasn't suffered from that thing that happens with a lot of games where they get successful online, so let's just make a sequel, make some more money. But it has a real ain't broke, don't fix it attitude. In all the years it's been live, it hasn't ever changed anything. It's just refined the gameplay to suit the players. And I can really appreciate that. And I hope it carries on being supported way into the next decade. It's usually on sale. And over Christmas, Relic gave it away for free. So I think most people have it. And if you do, definitely give it a try. You'll probably get your ass handed to you the first few times. But stick with it. It's a real good, fun online experience. Just quickly, a bit off topic. I keep seeing this Temtem game showing up. Really annoys me when people name their game a thing that isn't a word. Temtem sounds like a kind of code word to initiate a masturbation circle. Anyway, catch next week, guys. Yes. What do you mean? Yes, you pull ten times, and then the person next to you pulls ten times. Right. Michael and I just full-on Manchurian candidated. Yeah, we didn't yeah, even, yeah. just like, oh. you know. Just whipped it out and started jerking. My God. Slowest game of Russian roulette ever. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Micah Mari says... Hey, VJ crew. Mike Mari here with the question of the week. Question of the week, of course, was... What was your game of the decade that wasn't making anyone else's lists? Now, mine doesn't make anyone else's list because technically it's a 2009 game. I'm going to go with this technicality, though, because it was late 2009 when it came out, and it was the most important game for me in the past decade. I played it just a few months ago, in fact. Uh, For me, my favorite game and most important game of the past decade is The Beatles' Rock Band. This game is as important to me as it is because... It came out right around the time when I was having my first child. I had my first child December 9th of 2009. I then received Rock Band Beatles, or Beatles colon Rock Band, whichever way they decided to write it, as a Christmas gift. And I remember that Christmas, you know, it was very hectic, very crazy. Everyone was kind of crammed into our little apartment that we were living at at the time. And there it was, Christmas night, after everyone had finally gone to sleep and everyone had left. And there was still trying to turn over my head what it was like to be a dad and I started playing the Beatles rock band and I just kept playing and it, it, it was just this wonderful love letter to a band that not only I had loved but as with most people it was something that I had shared with my father who unfortunately had not lived to see me become a father and so there I was in this darkened apartment having just had my first Christmas as a father playing this game that was so important to me and I without realizing it played through the entire thing in a single sitting Ooh. just because I could not put it down and just it was this transfixing transcendent experience that I know I can never recreate, but I try every year. Every year on Christmas Day, after everyone leaves, at Christmas night I should say, after everyone leaves and after everyone goes to sleep, I sit down and I do, every year for the past 10 years, a complete playthrough in one sitting of the Beatles rock band. If you go through the Laser Time community, you'll see I was posting as I was doing it this year. It's become this tradition that now I'm able to share with my son. He was actually watching me play this and I've explained to him many times why I do it each year and why it's so important to me. And while he does not like the Beatles quite as much as I did, uh, it is something he can appreciate uh, for years to come. And it's honestly, I'm going to have to make sure that I have a 360 that somehow works for the rest of my life so I can do this every single year because this has been my tradition and will continue to be my tradition. If you don't want to count Beatles Rock Band, I mean, Alan Wake, February 2010, amazing game. Everyone should play it. Great writing, great characters. But uh, yeah, so that's my answer to the question of the week. Uh, thank you guys for listening to me. I look forward to being with you guys again next week. 
I'm going to mix it up for you, Mike Amari. I, I had to unlock Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a lovely anecdote. I I wonder if the Xbox Series X will have will, will let you play Beatles Rock Band like with the original. That would be weird. I, I I've seen things like that happen, but I always assumed there was some onus on the publisher hmm. to make that possible, and I can't imagine. Uh, Jesus, who even published that game? Was it EA? Yeah, um, yeah it was EA. To renew that license, uh, it, it, but to, like. It should be said that I, I think that was the apex of that period of plastic guitar games. Yeah. In that Beatles rock band, I, I forgot, man, I did the same thing. And it wasn't just to unlock all the songs. It's because there was actually things to look forward to seeing for the first time in these games. Much, you weren't much just like in a generic venue. The Beatles themselves were the apex of 60s rock. But go ahead. Oh, they're the Beatles of plastic guitar games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and yeah, as as nice as that uh, answer was, I I have to say there's something vaguely ominous about like every Christmas Eve, Mike Amari rises from his grave <laughs> to play Beatles rock band <laughs> in yeah, this very just, house. You just hear this <laughs> ominous thumping, and it's just like Octopus's Garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know Christopher Lee mm-hmm. would read Lord of the Rings annually, you know, mm-hmm. and then eventually yeah, played yeah. Saruman. So Mike and then Tom Bombadil. Sang for seven hundred minutes. <laughs> so eventually, I'm going to act out all of the songs. Mike's going to be in the Beatles eventually. That, that's yeah, just how yeah. this works. That's how it works. Yep. <laughs> I really like that game. We brought it up in thirty twenty ten, and I was if I didn't say that here, I was pretty livid in that I could not find the intro on YouTube in high definition because it's so very flagged. But it's one of my favorite. That is also one of my favorite intros. But it's not of this decade. I'm not letting you slide on that, Mike. But yeah, Alan Wake sorry. is pretty great. Yeah, Alan so, Wake's good, too. Yeah, that's your actual answer. Hooray. Uh, so new... For the record. For yeah. those keeping track, for the wiki... <laughs> that, that, that are Which, there. by the way, <laughs> is definitely not available because of music rights. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bowie, goddamn. Okay, so new question of the week. In honor of Black History Month, and to show us up in case we got it wrong, who is your favorite black character from a video game. Uh, we're going to widen the field here. doesn't have to be originally from a video game. doesn't even have to be a lead. And mine is still probably going to be Marcus Holloway from Watch Dogs 2. That game was super fun and I think super underrated. And Marcus was an awesome character. But someone else go. TL? Uh, so I'm going to go completely off board here. My uh, favorite black character from a video game, Knuckles the Echidna. Really? Um, Interesting. Yes. <laughs> Echidona! Uh, <laughs> uh, he raps. Um, he's cooler than Sonic. And he has a no-guff attitude. He is the 90s incarnate. Uh, yeah, Knuckles the Echidna. He's my favorite black character in video games. If I had to pick another one, I would say Dudley because fantastic mustache. Mm, yes. Also, he's a boxer. Flawless uh, mustache. But yeah, yeah uh, but he's great mustache. And he calls people gutter trash. <laughs> he's, he is the Idris Alba. All right, so I, I'm going to cheat a little bit too. Uh, so my originally, I was going to go with Zach from the Dead or Alive franchise because basically he's Dennis Rodman and the dude fucking owns an island, which is amazing. But then I started thinking of fighting game characters and then I started thinking of games kind of related to fighting games. Mike Tyson from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! And for those of you who were too young to ever play that with regular Punch-Out!, you really missed the hardest final boss in any game ever. Mike Tyson was amazing in Punch-Out!, one of my favorite games of all time. And yeah, 
And and I love Mike Tyson when he was a boxer back in the day. So yeah, Mike Tyson. Uh, Michael said it didn't have to be from a game, so I'm going to go with Dolomite. I mean, it does have to be from Dolomite. a game, just not originally. It has to be in a game. <laughs> he, I'm sure he was. He he was the game, motherfucker. <laughs> he is Dolomite. Fine, whatever. Uh, so who he, is... he got so low? We sucked an earthworm's dick, Michael. <laughs> Did you, and Sean Baby once uh, got him to to write that on a I think a phantasmagoria box and address it to Roberta Williams, um, <laughs> which I don't know what that was about, but okay. Anyway, so who is your favorite black character from a video game? Has to have appeared in a video game at some point. Let us know. Go to videogamepocalypse.com, Answer into the comments for episode three hundred and fifty-two. Alternately. You can hit us up on Facebook at the official Laser Time community or uh, ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse and we will read our, the best answers it on next Like you show. said, penis on Twitter. Please send all your responses. Yeah, penis, to penis on, on Twitter. Ping the safe search. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that's been our show. Let's go to some plugs. Trav, uh, where can where else can people hear your dulcet tones? Uh, yeah. So if you want to follow me, I'm over at PMB Cast um, at uh, Patreon.com/slash/PMB. Do a lot of shows there. Started doing a Let's Play, which is a whole other thing. Um, hey, fun fact: don't do voices because they will kill your vocal cords. Mm. Um, and also, me and Matt do a show. Uh, called Cheap Popcast, where we talk about wrestling. We just talked about the Royal Rumble. We're going to be talking about the AEW pay-per-view and also um, the takeover in Portland. And we are on the road. I'm pointing at the sign, the imaginary sign out there. We're on the road to WrestleMania. So uh, follow us. Um, and yeah, that's really it. Um, I might be on some more stuff soon. Talking about my favorite subject, one Mr. Tyler Perry. So that's a, that's a tease. I cannot be your favorite subject. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's not. Is, is it not? I, 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 I am excited. I cannot wait to in, inundate people with my history of the play white that is uh, what Mr. Tyler Perry. Wasn't he in one of the Star Trek movies? Yes. He is in the Star Trek. Because he's, he's, he's a huge Star Trek fan. He's in, uh, only uh, the Kelvin timeline. Yeah, he is in the Star Trek movies. He's also Alex Cross mm-hmm. in one of the Alex Cross movies. Tyler Perry is in more stuff than you really think. And I'm both happy and saddened by it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, can't wait to talk about that. And I feel like in the time we've plugged this, he's released at least three more Tyler Perry movies. Possibly five. Yeah. That and he's it, written by himself, <laughs> uh, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, now, TL, if I had a topic that just happened to talk ve- a very little bit about Fat Albert, would you still be okay with that? Yes, I would. Okay, good. Okay. I, I, it's another day. There's another podcast where I'll break down like what I'm okay with and what I'm not, and I think Bill Cosby sucks. Mm. However. He is a historical like artifact in the black community. Like he is, he is a thing. He is a I thing. think I think you can remove him from the junkyard gang pretty easily. Yeah, he's like ninety percent of the voices. Unless no, he was, but I think he could resurrect it. Have fucking Tracy Morgan do every voice. Who cares? Hmm. <laughs> I'm Fat Albert. What? <laughs> I'm Fat Albert, and I'm also what? Rudy, and I'm Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just take down Tracy Morgan? I love that man. Yeah, we never take down Tracy Morgan. I know. I just said every character he does is the same. I'm sorry. <laughs> that wasn't what I was implying. 
Next I'm Brian Fellow. Ladies and gentlemen, this week is it, it, it's a it's a momentous occasion here at the Laser Time family. It is the 400th episode of our show. It is also Oscar time. A massive, massive episode uh, featuring five people, nine movies, and eight sketches. Why did we only do eight? You're gonna have to listen to find Ooh. out. But it is it is some of the most fun I've had recording in a long time. I, ju- I just I, I'm still even as this recording not done with everything and everyone's like people are smart enough to expect it like where's the episode and like I in while I was uh, waiting for a computer to recover I calculated the amount of time this episode cost me if you factor in watching all the Oscar movies it was it's astronomical this is why do I put myself through this for one episode I don't know we really went into way too much depth oh yeah and it's not just me it is Michael and Matt as well yes. they they wrote a similar amount of sketches but the sketches sometimes those sketches take as long or longer than a fucking episode to edit and you also have to factor in the watching of all the movies there's one or two I wouldn't have sought out and Oh my god! Yeah, I just—I've never felt so slammed, and I was just on the verge of getting or, like organized again. But I encourage you to listen to that. It's the—it's—it's it's our Super Bowl. They, we're, yeah, uh, they do make we're me appreciate here. all of the editing categories for the Academy Awards, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, don't fuck those guys with the technical show. Those guys deserve to be on the main show. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I've been—I've been locked in editing almost almost for 24 hours. Oh my god! At, at one point uh, during all of this. Uh, not really. I had a, I had a shakeup in the middle there, but like it was close to a twenty four hour edit. Fun. Jesus. All right. Mm. Sometimes you just have to find the right fart noise. <laughs> also, hey, if you like this show, uh, Patreon dot com slash Laser Time. Matt and uh, Sarah joined me for talking about things that aren't streaming on Disney Plus. What is the the phrase I had for it? Uh, Disney has a massive graveyard, but I know where all the bodies are buried, motherfuckers. Yeah. I'm, and I'm digging them all up. And pointing them all out, and it's really fun, and you should listen to that episode. Price of a cup of coffee, you can help help your boys out here. Matt, uh, Michael, Diana, Sarah, others out uh, uh, surviving, uh, such as me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been difficult, but uh, but yeah, I like I like having health insurance, <laughs> and I want to launch some new stuff. So uh, stay tuned to our Patreon, patreoncom time. And also, it's about that time where uh, thirty twenty ten does its uh, games of. I don't want to say the month because it's like technically three months with the same window uh, with you guys. You guys are ready for this? Are you ready for it? Hell yeah. Are you ready to talk in depth about Super Mario 3 and Mass Effect 2? Always. At the same time. Sorry. It's something I. Because isn't the the PlayStation uh, Plus game the Bioshock collection? Yes, it is. So Bioshock 2 is exactly 10 years old if you listen to 302010. And I believe if you're with me and you played that, it's like, well, I didn't know this was going to be good at all. And I, I, I didn't know there would ever be a debate on, like, which Bioshock is better. It is obviously one. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can see there being a debate. It's Some people like the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> <laughs> like like a lot of people now, because the, there's a lot of people that grew up with those movies. Yeah, yep. sad. Yeah, it's sad. Look, I went through my phase of trying to rationalize the Chipmunk Adventure, too. <laughs> but... <laughs> some some things just don't stand the test of time, and your idiot brain was childlike, and you weren't you, no, you're no real judge. Mm. You should have better taste now. <laughs> yes, you should have better taste now. Patreon.com slash laser time. Look forward to some more shitting on Rise of the Skywalker. Hooray. 
it's it's very it's very strange. I'm thinking a lot about Star Wars these days and falling down some real weird rabbit holes and want to read more of those Marvel comics and and just just the idea is like everyone making content on the internet is tripping over themselves to over intellectualize movies made for children in a way that is like so baffling. Yes. That, yeah. that like if 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 you, we did this breakdown, like, oh, I suppose Percy Jackson can just conjure lightning for no reason. What? What? Uh, like, Kathleen Kennedy's crazy and then starts slandering fucking real people. Like, what is wrong with us as a culture? We go through it with a lot of Nintendo releases. It's like, it's, oh, it's not made for you. Mm-hmm. It was made for you when you were little. Yep. Yep. Now it's not. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be looked at, at by someone so cynical. Mm-hmm. And I am more guilty of this than anyone listening. Yeah. And but then uh, we did come to we did come to, uh, we're talking with a friend about it and like where we argued so much about Star Wars we had to say dude I'm not actually mad at you. <laughs> and he's like no I'm not mad at you either. I just love arguing about Star Wars. I'm like oh, yeah me too. Maybe this is a new tradition. Actually I, th- I think my favorite uh entry into the whole Star Wars representation debate was uh Clickhole which had something like J.J. Abrams reveals that Finn and Poe are gay, but just don't vibe on a sexual level. <laughs> like they're gay, just not for each other. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wiki Parez. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Jägermeister in the woods. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> Told you. You're a fucking Nazi, dude. You drink Jägermeister. Jägermeister is I, fucking German. delicious. There's a difference. You will not slander Jägermeister. You must never have thrown up on Jägermeister. Never. I Never.